At Chicken Salad Chick, our fan favorite delicious diva is back. With bright notes of fresh dill and crunchy cucumbers, it's bursting with flavor. And bring on spring with our seasonal strawberry and pecan salad and key lime pie. They're both a little sweet and a little tangy. Available for a limited time only. At Chicken Salad Chick, every order is made with care. And with online ordering options, we've made it easier to enjoy Chicken Salad Chick however you feel most comfortable. Available in-store, in the drive-thru, or online at chickensaladchick.com for takeout, curbside, or delivery where available. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Spotlight, the official podcast of The Gravel. I'm Benos. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. We've got uh, giving us the pleasure of his company at uh, Grapple Towers South, is this? <laughs> it's Grapple Gareth, Ian Walton. How are you, Gareth? I'm all right, not too bad. Thanks for having me. Lads, we've got the boss here, so we better be careful. <laughs> Best behaviour. <laughs> no, he doesn't want to say anything. Well, I, yeah, th- I think that great, ship has fucking sailed, isn't it? I've got a great big list here. Right, we're going to start with... Uh, Start with dogs and Tony Khan. <laughs> I'll always remember when we released that first episode, uh, like Gareth put all the faith in the world in us that we were going to be the first Grapple podcast, and I put the Tony Khan flag in the photo. Like, that the first thing in the description said, Tony Khan wanks dogs. And then we went on about Tony Khan wanking dogs for all half an hour on the first. All those people who tuned in for the official Statty Grapple podcast were probably very disappointed. Oh, yeah. They're thinking it's a it's a rating star ratings app. It just makes sense. It'll be it'll be very much about that, and it's just like go big or go home. Well, today's the day we get them back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got it. To keep us in check. And, uh, we're gonna go through the grapple one hundred in painstaking detail. That's what we're doing today, isn't it? Oh, no. I feel like like Virgil joining the NWO or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the money man. You're like a million, you're either Ted DiBiase or you're Bishop. I reckon you're Bishop. Bishop. <laughs> Bischoff's our mate as well. Big friends with Eric Bischoff. Does that mean I can be Nash? I'm more likely to be Hall, let's face it. Yeah, I think you've got like yeah. the more, more of the Hall thing going on. What does yeah. that make, Joe? It's not a good sign, is it? Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to be Hogan. I'll be Savage, then I'll take Savage. Then, then again, I don't beat my wife, so I can't be Savage. And I'm also not a racist, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go down that road. Scott no, Hall, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't beat my wife. I think yeah. you could be Nash, Joe. I think you've got a good, like, that kind of wisecracking Nash sense of humour. I think it works. Yeah, uh, but I, I think I care more about wrestling than Nash does. I don't think I'm as self, uh, self-motivated self as Kevin Nash. We'll find <laughs> out in a couple of months' time, won't we, when he visits St. Mary's? Uh, yep, yeah, we'll see how we get on. It's more you and him I want to see hanging out, to be honest. <laughs> is, that, is that really it? Are we getting yeah. the buffet option? Uh, I, I don't know. We haven't discussed it. We'd have to, yeah. we'll have to review that at some point. Is there actually a full buffet? 
Yeah, apparently. Yep. But last time I had a buffet at St Mary's was my year 11 prom. And I was trying to ring Domino's to bring like pizza to the venue because it was like this like upmarket posh finger food. And for 16-year-old me with a shaved head, that wasn't that wasn't doing it. <laughs> and I got told off by some of the teachers because I was getting I, I was basically getting a mutiny on the go in terms of the buffet and how crap it was and trying to get a mass Domino's order in. Then one of the teachers phoned up and cancelled the bloody order. So, yeah, but Hopefully it'll be better than that buffet and I won't be going to Domino's afterwards. <laughs> oh, I, I feel like Domino's gets, gets, a, gets a bad rap. I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of it. It's very sweet, but I don't think that they're that bad as pizzas go. I'm it's, not a fan. Not a fan at all. I bought pizza, if you put it against Pizza Hut or Papa John's, I think they're kind of I, very I don't similar. I really like takeaway pizza, to be honest with you. Mm. It's one of those things that I loved as a teenager and I had so often, it was like a special treat. And whenever what? I eat, I feel like shit. So uh, Last time we had it would have been... Was it Gareth's? And was it Gareth's? It, it filled the Grapple Mansions. Sorry. I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy <laughs> it, but... No, 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 in the moment I enjoy it. It's just the afterwards I'm like, oh, I feel fucking awful after eating that. You're great. Omar bastard, had delivered I'll the pizzas <laughs> that one wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's the WWE of pizzas. It's empty carb food that you feel terrible for wasting all that time getting through that large or medium pizza because they're all massive no matter what. I would look up for Peg just more of the Papa John's one though, Gareth, to go do the vegan pepperoni and stuff. You're a vegan, like Jim Sporman. <laughs> vegetarian, then. Oh, you're vegetarian. Okay, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> Does that make Franco Manca the new Japan of uh, pizza then? Like, good uh, ingredients, sourdough base, uh, really good cheeses, locally sourced uh, <laughs> products as well, their own beer they have. The, that makes them, like, top notch, I reckon. Have you been to Franco Manca? Never. I don't think I have. No, I haven't, no. Oh, have you not? There's, no. mate, there's one in there's one in Oxford. I've not been. Oh, you must walk past it every day. Pretty much. It's awesome. I just am, and it's cheap. It's half seven in the morning. Oh, getting the on a bus. Best pizza I've ever eaten. It, honestly, it's cheap. Okay. It's good. It's it's amazing. Right, JP. Right. You know what we're all doing next time we come down to Oxford. Next time me and Gareth come and stay. That's what we're doing. Are we all right, we'll go there. It puts like, less pressure on the roast front. Well, that roast made me bloody ill. I was off work for two days after that roast last week. So oh, no, I enjoyed it in the moment, but it was like Nick a Nick was fine. Your brother Sam was fine. Uh, My kids know. were fine. You were off as well. I was, but it was not roast related. Mm. It, was not, it wasn't roast related. That's bullshit. I'm not having <laughs> Joe, are you going to rescind your your star ratings? I was tempted to make Gareth a bit mad by changing some of my star ratings from my top 10 today and ruining the grapple stats. Yeah, don't fuck with the data. (laughs) You're sticking to your three and a half that you gave him. Can that be the new tagline for the app when you're like approaching uh, like sort of potential advertising and stuff? Don't fuck with the data. (laughs) Just leave it like that. Cracking line. You need to work Um, on that. Gareth, you need to work on a roast dinner app, a Toby Carvery rating app, a Greg's rating app. There's money in it. Well, I got that Gregor logo out there, you know. That was a. <laughs> that could definitely work, I reckon. Gregor. Yeah, you, you, you lads love a Greg's. I have to admit, I've been a lot of Greg's quite recently because there's one far too close to us. I'd like to treat yourself some sausage rolls during the week, Joe. You and your Belgian buns, man. Belgian buns every time. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm nothing if not predictable. I prefer the uh, caramel custard donut person. They are nice. Mm. Uh, I'm more of a what's the uh, sugary thing like the little stick they make in Greg's a yum 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 yeah big fan of the yum yum yeah two for like is it two for a pound you can't argue with that 
that, that, that is good value. Yeah. <laughs> Decent stuff. Great year for Greg's. Yeah. As it's, well, as my, it's been for wrestling as well. Yeah, my first vegan sausage roll was in Oxford there. So they. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. For the first time. There you go. Yeah. All memories. In a, in a surprisingly shite looking shopping centre in Cowlick. <laughs> I don't know, what, what, do we rate Oxford higher or do you rate Kirkdale higher, JP? Like, are you very jealous right now of Gareth being, uh, being up here? I'm I, sure you I are. Am. You can say a lot of things about Kirkdale. I'd say it has personality. That much is very much the case. You're under no illusions of what type of area this is when you're watching it. And I'm watching it going, like, this is kind of brilliant. It's, I don't know, if it was GTA Kirkdale is how it kind of felt to me, just wandering around, looking at places. But it did feel like being inside uh, a version of GTA. It's fantastic. Especially the people at the station when we got the train <laughs> into town. Uh, they were um, they were thirsty and they felt lively in the afternoon. Good luck to them. What do you make of it, Gareth? Uh, you're coming from the very posh area of Crosby. Well, that, that's at least what I tell everyone, <laughs> that Crosby's the posh bit. You're feeling a bit lost this far, though. Yeah, I'm a bit nervous at the minute around here. You know, just, uh, <laughs> luckily, uh, oh. cat's keeping an eye out at that window just in case. But oh, We've had a great time. The cat's, keep, the cat's uh, in the room with us keeping an eye on us. Me and Gareth just watched uh, Devlin and Star downstairs on, uh, on my big screen. Uh, we've had a great time. Yeah, just, we, we've just done the same we managed to finish it just before we started recording this as well and I think Joe was saying you've binged a few matches haven't you in the last mm, to catch up yeah, with it yeah over the weekend and I've, uh, yeah, I've got a good few of my top 10 and again just to confirm and a little bit of movement in the final days mm, you know but, uh, exciting stuff my, my top two have stayed the same but uh, the six to yeah six to three have all changed yeah yeah there's some, it's something I'm going to go into today like there's certain matches where I think you're re-watching reaffirmed your opinions and then there's other matches that I'm going to get into today where I honestly think re- if I hadn't rewatched, they'd still be in my top ten and they're not anymore I don't know Gareth is the uh, the man with the stats uh, am I allowed to go back and uh, amend my grapple ratings or is, does the in the moment rating matter most than going back and watching again your ratings at the end of the day, you've got to change it to uh, what you think. But uh, <laughs> all I'm all I'm bored about is drawing a line in the sand under this uh, top one hundred and getting it uh, getting it done. But you know, oh, yeah, yeah. that's what it's that's what it's there to be doing. You know, I think there's definitely that kind of like in the moment bias that you always see. And then mm. you know, I think when you know you maybe go back and rewatch it, it's not as good. So sometimes you know, leave the memories alone and all that. Are you having a go at me for that CCK LAX match again of progress? <laughs> Well, you know, I was, I was there. I missed that Manchester show. It was oh, one of the first uh, first ones that I hadn't seen. And uh, you were giving it the big five stars on the WhatsApp there. Well, and uh, I, I was like, couldn't wait. Couldn't wait the five to seven days to get that one on the uh, TV. And then when I did, slightly disappointed. I but. felt so bad because like, I did. I tweeted out that I was considering five stars for it. I've just got to say, I never entered it into Grapple. When I did enter it into Grapple, I went 4.75. And then I rewatched it sober. And I was like, yeah, this was a 4.25 match. That's within the margin of error, though. I reckon the live bias you were saying before, Gareth, the live bias is like somewhere between 0.25, would you yeah, say? Yeah, in that, in that neck of the woods, I think. In yeah, yeah but I think your live bias was about uh, 2.5 <laughs> or something like that in that instance. Well, look, me and Matty had a lot of beers like that. <laughs> we had a good time. But yeah, I think that, that's been fun, though. Yeah, re- revisiting the matches at least and, and rethinking some of these through. But yeah, and I'm the same. I've rejigged my top 10 a, a number of times today. But we're going to get into all that. We're going to talk our, our top 10s of the year. That's kind of the format of the podcast. We're going to be counting down. Uh, mine joe and jp's personal top tens garrett's going to be giving us the uh the grapple top tens and some of his uh his personal picks as well we'll get some grapple stats at the end as well as maybe some 
honourable mentions that fell out, maybe some matches that maybe we've seen on other people's lists or we're expecting on other people's lists that, that we're not going to go for it. But I think the main thing to say, though, is that it is, you know, as with these top 10 lists, it, it's there to create debate and I'm sure we'll have loads of conversation. But it is our personal list, so please don't get mad at us if we left your favourites. DDT or All Japan match off all out. I'm sure you've got everyone covered for that, JP. Is it a top 10 of Irish and, uh, and All Japan matches? It's not quite, but there's a very heavy kind of Irish slash Japanese influence all over my top 10 with one kind of left <laughs> young field pick that doesn't feel... Uh, no, in terms of young boys uh, matches, important I added that word on there at the end. Um <laughs> There was, I was trying to think, there was one four-star um, young boy what match was that? of the year. That was Tanahashi versus Shota Umino from the New Japan Cup. I absolutely loved it. Do you remember the Zack Sabre Jr. Shota Umino match last year as well? That was really good. Which one was that from? It, and Marty faced Ren Narita on the same show. It was oh, yes. last year. I remember going 3.75 on both of them. Yeah. Already that's, into the debate now, yeah, aren't they? So yeah. That's a young boy five. I'd take that. Exactly. Gareth, are there any young boys on the Grapple 100? I can confirm there are not. Oh, JP. You haven't, you haven't convinced the masses, unfortunately. Boys. Things fucking like <laughs> VAR, isn't it? I'm wondering if your son is the youngest boy on the v, on the uh, Grapple app, JP. Now, you, now you're talking about young boys yeah. on the app. Yeah. Yeah. Would, would my son What was that? His inexplicable rating of what Undertaker versus Tito Santana. <laughs> when the hell did you watch? When did this happen? What did he give it? I think he gave it to, so he did it by accident. I don't know how it happened, but I was like, <laughs> that's left field if you're starting from there, but, you know, go with it. Probably a bug. Hart's, Hart, <laughs> Hart likes what the heart likes, isn't it? And in that case, he loves a Tito Santana match. <laughs> he might be the only man on Grapple. We have to pull those stats, Gareth, and see if he is the, literally the only person who's rated that match. <laughs> I'm pretty it. sure he will be. Uh, but, I mean, before we get into our, our top tens and count them down fully, is there any, like, overall lesson of the year that maybe you've come to a conclusion of in putting the, these lists together? Any, any overall, like, theme this year? Um Anything that's uh, been maybe a consistent over the year or stands out? Does 2019 stand out as a significant year? For me, it, it stands out as the first year, obviously, with Grapple. Uh, for a full year, I've been marking down my actual ratings. Uh, usually yep. do the top 10 for Voices of Wrestling. That'll be coming out in February, so everyone should should check out that when they when they do their balloting. But it's always been a real battle. So, Gareth, you've really... Uh, I think you've helped everybody out with uh, putting these lists together this year. Well, hopefully that's what it's there for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, no, I think... It made my life a lot easier because I'm a, I'm a scatty bastard like that for noting down Star Wars. It's not like Joe and his ever-reliable notes that he takes on it. Mm. How about you, lads? Any, uh, any overall lesson for the year? Do you think it's been a good year as far as like match output goes? Yeah, I think every year since, God, like what, 2014, really, mm. um, or 2013, I think you'd even go back as far as, um, it's been amazing. I think 2013, we got that first like outstanding G1. 2012 was very good, but 2013 was the one that kind of exploded. Mm. And every year is kind of built on that quality-wise. Interestingly, I've done my matches of a decade as well. So I went through some stuff from earlier in the decade. And you realize when you see people rating Michael Elgin versus Davy Richards as match of the year for 2012, which I thought was shit at the time, <laughs> mm. just how spoiled we are for great wrestling 
and how much match quality and having a match that gets buzz and having a match that gets buzz on the indies as well has kind of taken over um, and how many more fans now seem to rate match quality and the sound of the matches above a lot of other variables when it comes to deciding on watching wrestling in a fractured market. Hmm. So I think it's been a great year. I think one thing I've noticed of mine is New Japan still dominates. Hmm. Um but the one thing that isn't present on mine, which kind of dominated from about 2016 onwards, is <laughs> there's not a lot of Kenny Omega this time around. Mm. Whereas 2017, 2018, he was just all over my lists. Yeah. Uh, and that I think he's got one match on my list this year. So that says a lot. Yeah, to that same point, like I, I one thing I was not, not to give away much about my list, but there was really only one AEW match in general that I was considering. I'm not telling you whether it made my list or not, but... There was nothing. Like, uh, mm. And they've had, I mean, obviously the TV's only been going for a couple of months, but the promotion itself's basically been around for the entire year. They've had their pay-per-view runs. And even, in, you know, if you look at 2020, there aren't going to be many TV matches that we're going to be considering. It's going to be the pay-per-view matches. So I think we can kind of consider 2019 a complete year as far as AEW pay-per-views go. And that's, yeah, the Kenny thing's quite disappointing that there's no big Kenny, Kenny Omega match that I'm considering you know, outside of maybe one and another company. Um, but AEW in general, uh, there hasn't really been much of a consideration for me. Yeah, I think in the top 100, there's only three AEW matches in the whole of the top 100, which is a bit surprising, really. I think wow. when, you, when you consider how many different promotions are in there, like you say, how many pay-per-views they've had and things so far and mm. chances that they've had, especially with the people they've got on the roster. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a... Bit of a yeah. That one. yeah, we were talking to be the work rate promotion, weren't we, lads? And uh, I don't mm. know if it's quite that. Uh, based, I'm Obviously, we're not going to be talking the TV this week, uh, but when we do come to catch up uh, on our next episode on the AEW TV, I think uh, AEW has become... It's kind of something else. It's almost... It's not raw, but you know, the, it's not it's not the pure sports build, the the New Japan USA that we may be expected to have loads of matches to pick from this year. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it doesn't kind of fit in. I mean, the, the my list is dominated by work rate, and AEW isn't something that's necessary. I mean, it's it's provided a lot of kind of spectacular moments and it's short run so far, but not anything that really has the substance. And um, to go back to uh, the question you asked earlier on in terms of sort of some of the trends, the thing that I really noticed is the standard of tournaments mm. over this year was pretty exceptional between the G1, but obviously another standout for me was the best of the Super Juniors. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make like the top 100 or the top 10 that were just really good fun matches as mm. well. Um, putting into the mix things like being able to sort of watch a good bit of the Champions Carnival as well, even 16 karat gold. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of tournament wrestling, which, you know, it says probably something about me, but also about a lot of people who who use the app mm. um, that it's that they kind of enjoy. It must be something just about the it's, it's simple storylines, isn't it? It then becomes down to the wrestling mm. and then wins and losses matter in its most simplest, purest form. And that seems to be the thing that appeals. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. It becomes about the bell to bell, doesn't it? And so on. So we got a lot of tournament matches in the uh, couple hundred guys, just from memory. I mean, I think the big ones like G One. You know, I mm. think I think fifteen of the hundred come from the G One, which wow. is like you know, I think like obviously 
And people thought this year was a down year for the G1 as well. Yeah. I remember hearing that too. Yeah, no, you know, I think, uh, you know, a, a huge amount coming there, you know, the amount, of, it was pretty much every day, you know, you've got at least one, you know, four-star plus match coming through there, kind of mm. thing, making the making the list, but, you know, if you think on a, out of 100, you know, 15%, essentially, kind of thing, coming from one there tournament, it's pretty, uh, pretty mental, really. Oh, that's it. And that, that's the other thing I was going to say about, like, our, our top 10s. Like, most years, realistically, I could make a top 10 out of the G1, and while this year it wasn't that much the case... There maybe is the odd one in my top ten where, for diversity reasons, maybe I've I've uh, picked not too many G one matches and I've maybe threw threw a couple of curveballs in there because I think part of this as well is hopefully people are listening to this and they're going to be listening going oh I didn't catch up with that match I better go watch that now um, it's like a recommendation thing as well isn't it and that that could be your yeah. excuse JP when you've got five young boy matches in your list too. Exactly. It's it's about recommendations. I'm going to walk past that comment. But it's about, <laughs> you know, it's about having, um, like, if you haven't seen a lot of the stuff on this list, it's worth checking out. And obviously, these things are obviously completely subjective. And that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Mm. Um, you've got a lot of people with subjective opinions, and then they come together, and you're able to kind of spot trends. And I think as well... Um, it's the kind of stuff that you'd hope necessarily that people within the industry would would pay attention to of the kind of stuff that manages to generate buzz. Mm. Now we're all a bunch of geeks at the end of the day talking yeah. through our grapple list and giving our ratings. I'm Living sure, in our parents' basements. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure we'll get some criticism at some point from someone in a show somewhere. I'm sure they'll be, it'll be used as an excuse to have a go. If if I'm honest, ah, get on the grapple app and put your ratings in or something like that. I can imagine it. <laughs> it's coming. It is, it is. See, what, what's a quarter star anyway? We're just trying to make ourselves feel important by uh, putting a quarter star <laughs> yeah. and half stars on it, aren't we, JP? Oh, it, it, and I have to admit, this is like the first year where I've really kind of like sort of rated all of the matches as I've been going through. So, um, and and as a result, um, I, I just kind of, you know, the way I look at it is and the way I kind of ended up judging things is – at the very top, I've kind of gone for, is that effectively like a perfect match? Mm. What I would consider to be a perfect match for what I want out of wrestling. And that in and of itself is obviously completely subjective. But if people have enough, you know, the good listeners of this show are open-minded enough to say, oh, I haven't seen this particular match. I'll have a look at it as well. Mm. Um, I also found it interesting just sort of going through the data, looking at the sample sizes, because obviously it's the ones with the higher ratings that are on an absolute, you know, that have been rated by a large amount of people. You're able to really kind of get a good idea about where kind of hardcore wrestling fandom is. Mm. It's kind of interesting that you and Benno say it's the first year you've done this because it's weird because I've been waiting for this app forever because <laughs> I think I've been doing this since on and off mm. since mid-2000s, to be honest with you. I was always making match of the year lists and keeping sort of notes on matches. I look back on old external hard drives. I, can, I remember finding my matches of the year for 2005 and 2006 and all sorts. So, yeah, it's something that I've always loved doing. So, Gareth obviously honed in on those few uh, weird hardcore fans like myself <laughs> and expanded the acceptability yeah. of making a list and putting your ratings on. 
Oh God, he's going to be smiling. He's so happy right now. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we just con- uh, convert a few more fans to become weirdo uh, hardcore fans, uh, doing exactly the same as that. <laughs> Who needs a oh, melter when you can have a thousand melters? Exactly. Ten thousand melters. We're normalising it. It's not weird anymore. We're going to normalise it amongst wrestling fans. And put it in the pop. Put it in the popular cult. Get them to be critical. I tell you especially what, those WWE fans. When I lost, when I had a computer wipe a couple of years ago, and I lost a few lists, so I lost my like list from 2013 to 15, I think. Absolutely good. It was hell making that match of a match of matches of the decade about those lists there in place. Not bats up anywhere. Going. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a man who's got a lot of spreadsheets and stuff ranked, but yeah, star ratings is new for me, but yeah, that's the, uh, we're now the grapple generation, Gareth, we're going to uh, carry it forward. And I'm sure J2's got a few wiped hard drives as well. I have, I, I have not. My, my hard drives are clean. Well, that's because you keep everything on your computer, I've seen what's on there before. It's all on the JP drive it's in the right. Irish stuff folder, that's where it's all hidden, JP, I know your tricks. It's all good stuff, good solid stuff. <laughs> On that note, should we get into our top 10 of the year? Uh, like <clears> I say, uh, the full Grapple 100 list is going to be coming out tomorrow. Is that right, Gareth? <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> and by tomorrow, we Tuesday night, we hope. Um, but we'll be, we'll be revealing the top 10 uh, as Grapple uh, as we go from the Grapple 100. But let's get into our top 10s. JP, I've nominated you to go first. So, JP Houlihan, you're number 10 for 2019. Uh, I've gone with a match that followed up another match, which is going to be in a a lot of our lists. And I loved it. It's someone who's going to appear on our lists all throughout. Will Ospreay Dragon Lee Hmm. at Dominion for the junior title. Um, Just fantastic stuff. There was at that point, I remember uh, the conversation that we were having was how Will Ospreay was having his best matches with, with everyone. At that state, at that point in time, and you could argue that he might well have had Hiromu's best match as well at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, but here, um, like Dragon Lee, um, it was it was just it was like Osprey at his zenith at this point. And while there's other Osprey matches that you that, that I have actually ranked higher than this, this was something. It was it was all the things you wanted from a fast paced modern junior match. While seeing Osprey managing to kind of tone himself down at the same put at the same time and then realizing that the next month he wrestled the fucking g1 mm. he began the g1 as well it was it was one of the many highlights of his year yeah so i've gone for that my number 10 I think this, the Will Ospreay's name is going to be coming through a lot of times in this list. I mean, spoilers for me, I don't have that match on yet, but I did consider it. Uh, I rewatched that. I rewatched Dragon Lee and Shingo as well on the uh, the push of uh, our good mate Alan Farrell. Uh, didn't quite crack mm-hmm. my top 10. I mean, is it coming up later for you, Joe, or do you not want to give it away? It's not for me. Uh, it's some, in there somewhere in the ether in my long list of 95 matches that mm. I've got on my... Uh, sheet let's say on my notes on my mac uh but no it didn't make the top 10 fair enough but yeah the fact that we're talking like you know osprey you could have named there's probably 50 osprey matches that could be in my list you're going to be all over the grapple 100 isn't it yeah certainly is uh get some stats around that like a bit later on but yeah he's uh, definitely got a massive presence good stuff look forward to that but uh joe go ahead do you want to give us your number 10 for 2019 yeah, I've gone for Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania 35. Um, yeah, I thought this was the best main roster WWE match that I've seen in 
a long time. Uh, it's the only uh, on my list of 95 matches. I think there are two main roster WWE matches on there, and one of them is an elimination chamber, which is way down in 89th place. Um, I say way down. It was a really good match, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think what this proved and why I love this match is because. Daniel Bryan doesn't really ever get to wrestle epics and he never gets to really show why he's one of the best wrestlers in the world still on his day at this point in time. And I can think of that happening maybe twice in the Mm. last few years. He got the chance against Lesnar at the Survivor Series and killed it and had one of Brock's best ever matches. And he got a chance to carry Kofi Kingston to a four and a half star match at a WrestleMania and show why the why he's a genius wrestler. Mm. Um, I've watched it a couple of times. What I love about this match is the layout of the match and how Daniel Bryan milks really, really tiny things to get a reaction. There's a point in the match where he milks a superplex spot. So Kofi Kingston gets over as a baby face and gets the ultimate reaction that you'll ever get for a superplex spot in a match like this. Like, if you'd have told me 10 years ago that Kofi Kingston would be in a four and a half star WrestleMania <laughs> main event style match and would still WrestleMania in the year 2019. I'd, I'd be amazed and wouldn't think you were telling the truth. <laughs> and here he was stealing WrestleMania and he's got Daniel Bryan to thank because I got to say the way that he works to Kofi's big spots, the way that he basically drags him through this match, lays it out to get the most out of it and gets him over as a big time baby face at the end. The man's a genius. And I tell you what, we get a lovely moment at the end with Kofi Kingston's kids who are, I got to say two incredibly cute kids and his really hot wife as well. So <laughs> yeah, just a, just a great match with an actual real emotional ending yeah. that seemed raw that seemed earned and it's the kind of moment that in WWE we don't really experience anymore and you know what I was close to shedding a tear when it came to watching this one because the ending and the moment was so nice it's very family isn't it Joe like the the, the end scene like just with the all the family like in the ring together it reminds you of those you know Bret Hart on top of the end of a pay-per-view it it tugs up my heartstrings too and like I was going to say like you you know, we always rail on, you know, the WWE moment booking, but, you know, this, this is a proper one. This is a real moment, isn't it? This isn't a forced WrestleMania moment. This felt real, and like you said, it felt end. Yeah, this isn't um, Joe Coffey getting a moment or some bollocks. <laughs> this is real. Still Daniel from Bron- Joe. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Daniel Bryan is, for me, I talk about tiers of wrestlers. I think you could still put him on his day in tier one. Hmm. It's interesting rewatching matches because there's a clear distinction at this point in time between, say, him, uh, Akada, Shingo, I think even Naito to some extent, and Tanahashi in terms of ability. But I think if I was to put him somewhere, it would be right in there with those guys. You put a Bushi above him as well, I think. Uh, like there are real comparisons between the way him and Tanahashi work. And uh, when I was watching Tanahashi Osprey, uh, when I rewatched it today as well, I thought to myself, yeah, Tanahashi is the worker that Brian is most similar to uh, in New Japan of those high level workers. What I would also say for this match is it's the match in my list where you've got a Daniel Bryan who's amazing but you've got the lesser of all the workers in my top 10 in Kofi Kingston, who I like and I think is perfectly fine, but there's a clear golfing class between him and everyone else on my list. And it was really obvious watching this, as great as the match still was. 
Yeah. And that's the sign of a great worker, isn't it? Because I think with me, like, for me, I think Daniel Bryan gets forgotten you know, and it's crazy. But you know, Matoa, mm-hmm. the best wrestler in the world. And it's just purely because of the way he's booked, the limitations of the WWE style. And I don't want to give too much away because I might be talking about this match in a bit more detail later. But it was a, it was just that for me, it was a timely reminder of how good Bryan is. And yeah, you're right, Joe. The fact that he's he's in there with the Kofi Kings, then I think says it all. It's at number, 40, number 47 in the 100, Joe. What do you think about that? Um, I think it was probably, you know, a bit, maybe a bit of anti-WWE bias. I understand that. I'm not a WWE fan on any level and I don't really like the style. This wasn't necessarily WWE style at points, I didn't think. It was very safe for the most part, mm. but it didn't feel as patterned as a lot of WWE matches, especially sort of higher or main event style WWE matches feel at this point in time. It felt like a Daniel Bryan match. You could see Daniel Bryan working a similar match to this uh, in the Murphy Rec Centre. Mm. That, it, it, Yeah, he's better as a mm. worker than he was in 2003, but I don't think that it, he's that dissimilar to what he was then in many ways, and yeah, that's why it felt so refreshing in many Anyways, you've both spoken about um, watch rewatching this match, and this isn't a match I've gone back to, to see again, but it is one of the things, and we'd hope for a lot of people when you say about it finishing in 47, it's just the fact of not going back to it and then probably feeling disillusioned almost about the rest of the card that was on that that was on that night. So I need, so this is a match I'm quite happy to go back and have a look well, it's at. it's the first WrestleMania where I've never watched the whole card, which kind of tells <laughs> and you And you were there, about, weren't you? <laughs> you I was were in New York. York. Yeah. I wasn't at WrestleMania, but I was in New York <laughs> and I didn't finish watching what I watched. I didn't watch this till the Wednesday after WrestleMania. Wow. You went to that brewery instead and had a belt in time. <laughs> Um, what did I do? Um, that was on the Monday that I went to the Brooklyn Brewery. Ah. Or did I go there on the Sunday? Yeah, maybe I did go there on the did. Sunday. Yeah, maybe I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I did. Oh, I had a great time. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't regret that. No. Um, because the rest of the card was shite. Yeah. But, yeah, as far as sort of WWE moments go, it was just yeah. the best one in years, if you ask me. And it was genuine. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the big difference. And there's not much genuine in in that company anymore, sadly. Um, but yeah, like I say, I might mention this match uh, a little bit later on, not too far in the future. But to give my number 10, lads, this is the moment where you get to call me a coward. Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan from GCW. <laughs> it's the only match on my list, Gareth, that I gave five stars. <laughs> Maybe it was something of an ironic five stars when I get it. But no, I'm standing by it. But I think the problem with this match... I just couldn't justify... I can't put it number one, for one thing. And there's so many matches in my 10 that I just couldn't put it ahead of, despite the fact I think it's perfect. Because I think the question is, like, is it even a match in the first place? Because it's purely Bryce Remsberg and Gareth, you added it. It's on the app now, isn't it? Credited as Bryce. It is, yeah. yeah. Brackets, because essentially it's, it's his him. performance, isn't it? He's working himself, isn't it? It's him... It's the table spot. It's the that dive spot onto the, ju- to the, the students on the outside. But more than that, it's the crowd as well. It's basically Bryce Remsberg and the crowd doing a bit of performance art. Like There might be people who don't even like it being in a top 10 for matches of the year because, again, is it a match? But I would say, like as far as my list goes, I would say it's the funnest quote-unquote match in my list. Yes, I gave it five stars. Yes, I'm a coward, but I felt like it had to be in my list somewhere, and I felt like number 10 was the most reasonable place to put it. Well, and I know it's probably going to the next one. I've got it as my number nine. Oh. Um, And I think it deserves inclusion on the list because this is when you get into the wrestling as genre debate. Hmm. And 
if one of us was a really big deathmatch fan, there could have been the prospect of possibly having a deathmatch on there. But we're not idiots. But, we're not deathmatch <laughs> fans. No, we're not. But there's different genres. But they're obviously different genres of wrestling and different tastes of what people like. This, for me, it was like, it was almost like the perfect comedy match. But it was also, like you say, is it wrestling? But it's kind of pushing what wrestling is to mm. a certain degree on a scale which is kind of perfect for it with an audience that is completely immersed in this and wants to and knows what to do and makes the experience for you the viewer at home so in a sense there's this whole audience participation element to it that get, adds it to that level as well as remsberg's performance and being able to kind of completely hold it together at no point does he break or crack or anything else it's it's an incredible piece of work. Yeah. Um, it was the highlight of the weekend. I think it deserves inclusion, inclusion for that. Hmm. Like, that's the thing, like me and you, JP, in painstaking detail, went through all of the shows over Mania weekend. And, yes. you know, it's not on my list, but, you know, Tony Deppen and, and No Legs, that's another memorable one from that weekend as well, yeah. Dustin Thomas. Like, uh, something cool. about this match, like, Mania weekend wasn't great as far as match quality goes on the indies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was about... It was about memes, and we're going to complain about it probably in 2020, and there's just too many meme shows. But I do think like there's something special about what GCW did this WrestleMania weekend over those two Janela shows. And I, honestly, yeah, I, I would say they deserve the placements here, and Bryce Wormsworth deserves it to uh, to get himself in a, in a top 10 dominated by so many great matches we're about to talk about. Exactly. Um, one of the things, though, is ultimately these Joey Janela shows have sort of proven to be what lock, stock, and two smoking barrels was to the British film industry, <laughs> and, le- and it will lead to an, all the copycats. Uh, what will be I've, guns I've, and geezers films from that? That in the same way we're ending up with all the meme shows now for Mania budget, Weekend, low budget, low, low budget geezer stuff, films. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think Lock, Stock, and Snatch are both terrible films, though. To be honest with you, mate, and they gave uh, their time. They gave a platform to a terrible director. <laughs> that might be a debate for another time. Yeah. Yeah. When we do our top ten yeah, films yeah. of the decade, oh no, it's not really be this decade, was it? Top ten films like, of all time. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, nineteen ninety-eight, mate. Wow, not even Jeez, the decade yeah. before the last. Jesus, I'm oh, so the old. university. I'm very old. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll obviously we get to our number nines in full in a second. But uh, yeah, that was my number 10. Gareth, as far as number 10s go, uh, what's the number 10 for the Grapple 100? Well, Invisible Stan and Invisible Mom is actually just like pipped into 10th place, like on the app. Was know, it? So, yeah, it came, came 11th overall with like oh, 4.59 average. I must admit, I was... Uh, shitting it a bit when it was uh, first came out and like every rating was just like five, 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 five. Of course. <laughs> I was thinking, I've got this top 100 in my mind and it's going to be like, yeah, let's get a market with like Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. Like, oh, but troll job. Um, to, be, to be fair, like it was, uh, you know, clearly, you know, there's over 100 people watched it, rated it, kind of thing. Give what it did a you rate it? I, I gave it a four. How oh, <laughs> um, could I, a star off? Uh, well, I mean, you were saying there, oh, it was perfect, and I, I didn't think it was perfect. I just oh, thought there were small bits wow. where I just thought, like, oh, I could have performed that a bit better, or there was just, yeah. like, little things there that could have been enough, improved enough. on. But I think as a as a match, I think it does, you know, it deserves to be there. It's as, mm. you know, it's as much a match as somebody getting twatted in the face with a light tube or something yeah. like that, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's something there that people are going out to do. And, um, 
you know, putting on people are paying to see kind of thing. So it's wrestling at the end of the day. There's no like, def, you know, defined rules what it what it is. But mm. the actual 10th place that just picked it, just showing the kind of, I suppose, from the uh, total opposite from a drama end of the scale is uh, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano from uh, TakeOver New York. So <laughs> again, you know, it's, not, it's uh, very much the Shawn Michaels uh, school of uh, school of uh, acting and uh, performance art there, I suppose, as oh. opposed to the other. But yeah, just... Uh, just sneaking in there in tenth place with a four point six rating, not point not one, just uh, just beating there, beating oh, the GCW match there. No account for taste. Saying that you lads haven't got this on your list, have you? It's not coming up later. Well, funnily enough, it's number nine on my list. Oh, because, uh, <laughs> go on then, great Joe. Great segue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I knew I knew you would uh, throw me over the coals for this one, Ben. <laughs> it's fine. I've got um, some coming later, mate. That you can do it with me. There's one especially that you're going to do it with me. So. Uh, Jay Wyatt-Bushi, I'm sure that's for that better. <laughs> so for, for me, this one, I was at the show. Um, I got into New York on the Friday, um, was there for a good week on a lo- lovely little break with my girlfriend. But uh, because there were some wrestling shows on, I managed to convince her that I should fly in a day early. <laughs> and she came and met me after the Ring of Honor and New Japan show. So I had a day to myself where I got to go and see NXT TakeOver. And i got to say, as a show, I, I loved it. I thought it was a, an amazing show. And in hindsight, I actually think it was a kind of watershed moment for NXT as a brand and for uh, TakeOvers. Because I think TakeOver as, a, as an event has really just kind of dipped ever since this show mm. i think it, it reached its ceiling with this show mm. um and i've not seen one that's close to as good and it feels like they've become even more cliche and trope ridden since this and i gotta say on the night um this match for me the atmosphere in the arena was incredible um i was completely wrapped up in the in the match in the event um i don't know if it would be different if i was to watch it back possibly and as a result of fearing that i've not watched it back <laughs> i'm always really hesitant to watch back matches that i'm at live mm-hmm. uh, it's something i don't love doing because i like the sort of live memory to to be my memory and i like that memory to sort of settle in and then maybe a year or so down the line I'll rewatch something if I fancy it. Um, there's lots of stuff that I've been to the last few years that I've never rewatched that I loved. And the memory's there. And I feel like, do I spoil that if I do go back and watch it? I probably will go back and watch this at some point. But the last 10 minutes of this were 10 of the most molten minutes I've ever experienced in a crowd at a wrestling show. The Barclay Center's a great venue as well. New York, Brooklyn as a place is my favorite place in the world if i'm honest with you so something special about that as well um and i gotta say i really like the johnny gargano chase as much as they fucked the character up with that whole turn in 2018 and taken out was it alistair black he took out there was still something there with him as a baby face that i think was genuine i think he wrestled in a really genuine sort of uh, old school baby face manner reminded me of like an old ricky steamboat or something in that mm. way to some extent there was sort of a purity mm. there if anything they never needed to add the shades of gray that's when they complicated things but it all came back i thought for this match on this night and as over as adam cole was as well people got on the side of gargano and he i thought he was great i thought his performance in this match was amazing i thought he got sympathy really effectively from the crowd and by the end of this match there was a clear baby face heel divide within the crowd of a live show and yeah i'm not gonna lie 
I popped and went a bit mad when he got the pinfall. So, Benno, you can slap me down. <laughs> what to do, but what I'll also add on to the end of this is the matches after this, I thought, got increasingly worse yeah. and ended up revolving around that forced epic style um, that we spoke about on BWE yesterday with Jamesy. Um, I thought they became far too patterned. The layout and the sort of rehearsed element of it became even more obvious. With this one, I didn't get that sense as much. I thought it felt a bit more organic, a little bit more natural. Yeah, there were big moments that definitely had that feeling to it. But this one was a little bit more free-flowing. It's a shame that this match was rated so highly in a way and was so good because I think it did lead to them going way too over the top and that kind of jumped the shark with that terrible three stages of hell oh, match what was, was that? Yeah. Yeah. SummerSlam weekend that was a, an absolute joke of a match fucking mess but that was on the day on the night this was a match that I loved fair enough I'm not going to argue with you too hard Joe it's not for me I think I fell off the Gargano train a long time ago do you, I mean do you feel that coming like you, can you see yourself being that invested in the Gargano match again in NXT if they're going to no. carry on down this road no, not not at this point. I think it needs to be it needs to be freshened up a little bit. I don't know how they how they do that. Yeah. Um. I think I think he's a great wrestler. I really do, and I think sometimes he gets quite underrated and forgotten about. For me, I think in 2018 he was the best wrestler in WWE on any roster. Um. But I think it's off. He's not a guy who's sort of cool to like in many ways. Yeah. Um. And he's not got that kind of like, um, kudos and cred because. He exists in that kind of NXT bubble where you've got that mm. element of rehearsal and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, I've been a person to slag off those sort of wrestlers at times as well. But I do genuinely think he's a great, charismatic babyface who's very easy to get behind. Um, but, yeah, may- maybe not to this level again. I think this was the probably the peak of his career, to be honest with you. Mm. Fair enough. You're not going to change your mind, Joe, but JP, I'm guessing it's not turning up on your list at any point soon. It hasn't. It was one of the matches that I'd ranked as sort of four and a half. So for me, it was sort of in that top sort of 30. I I kind of, uh, I can see the point. Um, I can remember the reaction at the time of, of sort of seeing it. And it was, it's like, feels like everything has kind of gone downhill from there in terms of the takeovers and the overall quality and the kind of tropes and everything else that, that Joe has gone through there as well. Um, but no, uh, I didn't have it on mine. How many out of interest, Gareth? Like numbers wise, is that one of the the higher rated ones of the ten? Like the most people rating it. Being a big WWE match, surely it's got to be up there. Yeah, it's like just over seven hundred ratings there for that one, which mm-hmm. is like you know one of the highest for the year. Um, but you know, I think so that's impressive. Like having making the top ten with that many people going for it as well. So maybe I'm just wrong. <laughs> maybe, maybe 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 it's it's not the kids who are wrong. Maybe it's me. It's the kids that are wrong. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that, JP. But yeah, so that's your two number nines. That uh, that worked out quite well as a as a segue. Uh, my number nine kind of sums up my list in a lot of ways. In the uh, the the pulling my hair out that I've had today of uh, of playing with the list, like I, almost as a statement, I knew Invisible Man, Invisible Stan was going to be number ten, and I think I had more of an internal debate about me for, for about it for my number nine, um, and it also kind of indicates it's a match from OTT. Um, but it also indicates like 
having rewatched the three pivotal OTT matches today, the uh, the last one with Gareth just before we started the record, I had a bit of a flip there as well. So, uh, in contrary to what I was talking about on the uh, British Wrestling Experience Best of uh, of twenty nineteen, I've actually got my number nine, and it won't be the last OTT match on my list. David Starr versus Walter. Um, on rewatch again, rewatch is a dangerous thing. I'm not going to do the match down. Still a four and a half star match, but there's definitely things I much prefer about the other two matches that have maybe been. And I'm talking about it like it's a big negative that it ended up nine um, on my list. But I did expect this one to finish front of the pack for those OTT matches. But I suppose as we talked about on post as well, you know, you can if you threw these three matches up in the air and which, whichever way they landed, that you, you probably <clears throat> shouldn't argue too loudly, should you? But I think what it what it really does have going for it, it's got the you know the big belt stamp spot um, obviously from David Starr which felt like a turning point in the match um, where it really on rewatch where it really gets going where the crowd are kind of they're with it but you know to another level with it at that point it's got that perfect moment of the of the David Starr visual pin on Walter where Walter kicks out which is just like just, uh, uh, David Starr said didn't he in that interview with James you know, uh, he'd had that idea for a couple of years and he was waiting for the right time to use it and it, it really was the perfect time it, it was a pivotal moment in the story and that you got you know David Starr trying to get the, the big DQ win and, and Devlin comes out and ends up getting the, the match restarted which essentially makes Devlin the, uh, the baddie in the story it had a lot of these moments that for me and hopefully the Irish don't come for me, uh, JP, calm down. But I would say it makes it the most sports entertaining over the matches. It's more yeah. about the big moments than it is about maybe, uh, I don't know, I think the other two have maybe got a little bit more depth. But I just think as an important moment in the feud, uh, it's still up there. And yeah, I gave it four and a half stars at the time. I stand by it. And yeah, it was enough to make it to, to number nine on my list and pip a few things that I'm going to be talking about in my uh, my honourable mentions later. I think it should be noted that it's very, you know, if you've got multiple matches in a feud within one year, and in this case, sort of three three matches that you can really go from, it's mm. going to be really unusual that all three of those manage to make it into the top tens, which mm. says about the overall level of quality in the feud. And you're always going to have ones as preference. It's like great film trilogies, and there's always going to be one of the three that you're going to, for whatever reason, on an emotional kind of connection that you're going to that you're going to go for on that. It, I mean as we've said ad infinitum it's just like one of the, one of the great feuds in european wrestling i didn't like this match <laughs> i think you i didn't three yeah, stars on it wow well i thought it was wasn't it walter devlin two you went three on was it this no it was this one yeah, oh, yeah i just yeah. i remember i just didn't click with me i always said i would rewatch it but i kind of forgot about it to be honest um i'll give it another watch at some point but yeah when i watched it i just got nothing i remember just getting nothing from it i don't know what it was and if it was my mood at the time or what but yeah not I, sure. I wonder if it was maybe the similar thing for me because it is one of those matches where there is a lot of stopping for the big moments and then we move on. It's not like a, I don't know, it's not the free-flowing sports match. There are a lot of those big moments in the match that I could imagine maybe being your critique at the time. But I, I'd say we watch it though, Joe. I, I don't see it cracking your top 10. Um, but, you know, it still stood out for me enough to, uh, to, to sneak in. I'll, I'll put it on the list. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that wraps up uh, our number nines. Uh, Gareth, what's the uh, grapple number nine for 2019? Uh, number nine from grapple is uh, Shingo against Naito from the, the G1. Mm. Um, day 14 there. So coming in with an average 4.61. So just slightly ahead of that uh, Gargano Cole match. Um, 
<laughs> can't remember much about it myself. That's <laughs> certainly one I haven't rewatched. It's a, a nice. Like I, I was saying this to you earlier, Gareth. Like there are moments where I'm really into Naito, but the idea of sitting down and rewatching a Naito match, I can't do it. Like it didn't even it didn't enter my consideration as a match. I did see it in the Grapple One Hundred, but I think sometimes when, like you say, Gareth, you've got limited memory of a match. I think that tells you something as well. And I think uh, I think with Shingo as well is that he's had so many like great matches this year across like both tournaments as well that mm. I don't know there's just other ones that like stand out in my mind that you'd, you'd immediately be I don't know reaching for a rewatch them mm. this one definitely kind of thing so um, yeah surprised to see it, uh, see it so highly in the list but you know it's a uh, you know, over 350 people rating it there, so it's obviously a lot of people out there liking it. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to see Shingo on the a, list. I'll give you a detailed breakdown of that one coming up. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that one in a bit then. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go from there then, straight into our number eight. So, uh, JP, what's your number eight? I've gone for a match that I know you two are going to go into, uh, likely to have higher up, um, <laughs> and it's kind of like by default, but it's also because I, I rewatched it. And that's Kenny Omega and Tanahashi from Wrestle Kingdom 13. Oh, JP. Yeah. It was one of the matches that I kind of wish I hadn't gone back and slightly rewatched in a weird way. It's it's excellent. It's an excellent match. And for me, it kind of like from an emotional level, it's the idea of the Tanahashi story, having that one big chance kind of main event, a big dome match at a high level. And it's it's really good it's just like a real war of attrition in terms of the match itself uh you would imagine although it's very bizarre one of the things i noticed going back and this might have been slightly the jarring feature you can see how desperately unhappy kenny omega and the box are about the whole yes, thing i thought they would watch kenny's got a face on and a yes. half <laughs> face on but it's not like he phones it in or anything else no. like that. it's still amazing um but yeah there was something about that that for some reason it slightly took it away for me. Um, yeah. So I've gone for that as my number seven, but wow. I imagine you're both going to have various number different eight. things to say about it possibly later on. Oh, sorry, number eight. Yeah. Joe, do we give him grief now or do we wait till later? Uh, wait till later. Wait till yeah. later. It'll be coming up on your list as well, won't it, Gareth? It certainly will. Right. You, ra- you brace yourself, JP. You're now yeah. the heel on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but how about you, how about you Joe? Gave you 4.75, Jesus, I've only got two of them it's on my like, list. Sounded like I'm shitting at, on it from a great high. It's, it's absolute bollocks. Why? Because it's not perfect. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. Well, that's it. I've only got two. Four, we should get into that later, our, uh, our rating breakdown, because I've only got two of them, 4.75s, um, and it's going to be a while before we get to them. But, Joe, what's your uh, number eight for uh, 2019? Well, uh, unlike yourself, Benno, I did re-watch a Tetsuya Naito match. Watch, oh. Rewatched a couple of them. <laughs> um, and number eight, this is a, an element of live bias that comes into this one as well, I think. Um, I went... F- I went for Naito versus Abushi from Madison Square Garden. Oh. Um, being at this one live, I've got to say, I think there is an element of live bias that goes in with this one. I think with this one, i got to say, I had an amazing day. Uh, cracking walk around Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Saw Us at the cinema, lovely cinema as well. What a film Us is as well. A film i got to rewatch. One of my films of the year for 2019. 
um, and had a cracking burger from Shake Shack as well. Just had a lovely walk around New York. Just a, a great idyllic day, let's just say. Beautiful weather as well. I was wearing just a t-shirt on an April, a hot April's day, let's say. A great day. Um, I then turned up at Madison Square Garden and proceeded to have to endure one of the biggest jokes of a show I've ever seen in my life while stood next to a man who uh, might best be described as a reject from the ECW arena that still exists in the year 2019 and follows wrestling. And my God, he was an utter moron. And he couldn't take away from this match for me. He took away from Zack Sabre Jr. Tanahashi by complaining that I liked Zack Sabre Jr. and kept telling me he needed to eat a steak and a protein shake. And then I told him he was vegan, which he wasn't too happy about either. <laughs> and he was devastated when Matt Taven uh, lost the belt. and oh, no, Matt Taven won the belt, sorry, and stormed out. So luckily he wasn't there for the main event. But he was there for this one, and he was flipping out a point to this one and I don't think he'd ever seen the Bushi match before that was the impression I got from it um, and I've got to say this match on the night I fucking loved it came along on a terrible show and salvaged something from what uh, was an absolute joke Ring of Honor pretending that they sold out Madison Square Garden <laughs> I've never seen a company at more like charlatans on a night than I have here and I've got to say, I rewatched this the other week. I said I don't love rewatching live stuff necessarily, but I thought I've not seen like the production at all. So I'm kind of interested to see what the production looked like. Ring of Honor should never run Madison Square Garden again. One, because they won't do any business. <laughs> but the absolute disgrace of the production values of this show, that hard cam shot at Madison Square Garden was awful. It was an insult to a legendary venue. It was an insult to all the great wrestlers, all the great sportsmen, all the great music artists that have stepped into that legendary venue. That a company like Ring of Honor, an irrelevant company in the year 2019, went in there and went, yeah, that'll do. And made no effort with their <laughs> with their setup. On the night, this was so much better than what the production gave it credit for. Um, I could still see that it was a great match, but the production values were poor. But on the night, the crowd were going way crazier than what it seems on on the show. Watching it back, um, I also think that with Naito and Ibushi, people have quickly forgotten about this match because of that ridiculous match they had last mm. year, where they did too many head bumps and all that yeah, stuff on I was the net. Say. And this was, uh, it sounds stupid because it wasn't exactly a safe match, but this was probably the safest of their like four matches they had last mm. year. There were still some risky bumps in there, but there weren't as many mad risky bumps as there were in other matches. And for me, this felt like a proper New Japan match in an amazing venue for wrestling, in a legendary wrestling hall where I remember watching, you know, Cactus Jack Triple H, the best match of Triple H's career. Um, you know, think of the legendary matches that were taking place in Madison Square Garden. And at the time, it felt like I was watching another one on this night. Now, I think if this was a pure New Japan show, this would be remembered a little bit more than it currently is. Unfortunately, Ring of Honor ruined the fucking part and put Matt Taven out to win the belt after this one. Yeah, what a joke of a company they are. But as a match, loved it. Felt like a big New Japan match that I'd always wanted to see live. I'd never seen the Bushi singles match live before this. I was super pumped and super excited to see a Bushi in a singles match live. And for me, it delivered in a big way. 
funny because like, it didn't really enter my consideration to, to rewatch. And maybe it is that, like you say, Joe, with the memory of mm-hmm. the the other match where they basically tried to kill each other. Like, it's good that I've got Gareth here alive in the building because I could do with some tech support. Because I'm desperately trying to find it on the Grapple app. To uh, is it Ring of Honor or New Japan? It's under. It's under New Japan. Is it under yeah, New yeah. Japan? I wasn't given Ring of Honor credit. <laughs> yeah. I can't even a, remember what I rated it. Shit show. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's it's on the hundred. It's on, it's at number thirty eight on the hundred. So uh, is it? so it's um, you know it's a, it's a bit further down, like Joe's last one as well. So mm. not like you to be the contrarian, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Always yeah, fine. The Marmite Man. Uh, I get. <laughs> 4.25, so maybe it is one that I should have rewatched. It could have got bumped up to a 4.5, 4.45. It won't be, no. With the production values, it won't. Mm. Trust so, me. How about you, JP? Did you consider it all? I didn't for this one, and I think at the time it was just like. I, was it the case of the memory of a lot of the shit show that had gone before was still kind of hanging around and maybe I wasn't as invested in this match as perhaps I, I, sh- I could have been? because of all of the bad taste of a lot of the Ring of Honor stuff from that. And it's a hard thing to separate from this show for me, is how shit they... It just Ring of Honor decided to try and sabotage a New Japan show, mm. basically, is, is what it, what it came when you, across they as. Wanted to put that and it main taints the memory that. of the good stuff. Yeah, yeah they wanted to put their they main... They wanted on. to put that ladder match on ahead of an Akada main event. You'd have just been walking out, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd have gone. I'd have been up for it, because it meant I would have got out of there early, and I was jet-lagged to fuck at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, my number eight is... Probably won't spend too much time on it, because it's already come up earlier. Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston from WrestleMania. Uh, again, this is one that it hovered around my potential. It could have landed as an honourable mention, but on rewatch, I enjoyed it just as much. Uh, like you said earlier, Joe, it is... I would say it's not just the performance of Kofi Kingston's life. It's also a case where I was kind of looking at it going, one, Kofi Kingston will never be this good again. And he's not even that good. Daniel Bryan is the main factor behind this match. But I also think... I can't think of a WWE match that's going to get me into it this much ever again. Like, uh, what could they possibly put on this year's WrestleMania that's going to make me care like this? The most I cared like this last was when Daniel Bryan was the babyface in the same position Kofi Kingston was in. Um, like, I honestly, I think it was like... I feel like the peak of my interest in WWE was a long time ago, but as far as the trough goes, I don't think I've ever been lower. And I think it's only going to get worse from here. So it almost feels like a the end of an era for me as far as being invested in the WWE match because I just can't see it happening again. And yeah, as a standalone match, like you said, Joe, a reminder of how good Brian is. Kofi was... For, for a night, a very, very good underdog, although, you know, there is a golfing class there too. Thought Brian's limb work throughout was fantastic as well. Got, got, got to see a bit of an old Daniel Bryan. It was almost like he was given carte blanche and he did a dan- he did the match that I think he would want to do. Gave a 4.5 on grapple. I know people have gone higher than me on that one, but um, overall, yeah, I, there wasn't another WWE match that was going to come close to my top 10. Uh, and yeah, like you said, Joe, I think it was uh, just uh, all the right elements uh, hitting at the same time. Uh, yeah, we're very, very unlikely to see it again. Yeah, watching this one. Sorry, Gareth. Oh, on, Gareth. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think with as well, like what Ben was saying about there won't be something as good this year, I think it's like worth pointing out when you pick out the emotional investment in it as well. It's something mm. that they just fell into as well. It wasn't supposed to happen. It was just sort of by oh. fluke that it even was there in yeah. the first place, really. So, you know, 
in terms of having faith in them to actually mm-hmm. you know put a story together that's going to build to a match of that quality that's even got that emotional investment behind it like it's just not going to happen is it it's not it's not and the other thing like that like you said joe you mentioned like the family getting in the ring but you know not just that you know the rest of you they're getting in the ring and big e's like a complete mess in t and it's real emotion again it's real and you just don't get that uh in wwe so yeah it was uh it was in the end a pretty easy call for me on rewatch one that stood up and yeah probably the only wrestlemania match that uh, was ever going to make my list this year and like i say unlikely to uh, to see any on my list next year to me, it tells you how little that company value and respect Daniel Bryan as a performer. Yes. Because he's not had the chance mm. to do this since. And they must have watched this match and realized how great it was and how they know they've got that talent there and they don't utilize it. And they're busy, I don't know, booking Baron Corbin in a mixed tag <laughs> match for a main event. It's just baffling. And it tells you what an irrelevance they are at this point in time. Yeah. Agreed. Anyway, Gareth, what's the number eight for uh, Grapple? Uh, number eight on Grapple is uh, the highest rated Ken Miyahara match. Uh, he's got quite a few in the top 100. It's been like a really good year. You know, there's obviously been a lot of buzz around him. Um, he's actually got uh, nine matches in the, the top 100 in total, but it's his, uh, it's his match from Summer Explosion with Nomura that comes in there at number eight. Uh, average oh. rating of 4.63. I think I think you've watched that one recently, Ben. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched two. Uh, basically, my lead into watching TakeOver yesterday was to watch two Kento Miyahara matches. That's <laughs> As you do. That didn't go well. Uh, and both of them against uh, Nomura, yeah. Um, not making my list. I just think I'm wondering whether it's going to turn up on your list at any point, JP. But for me, like, when I put out that we were doing the Grapple 100 and we were going to be talking our top 10s, the amount of people who came back, you need to see this. And you'd said that earlier in the year as well, JP. Yeah. Um, and I did watch it and I did enjoy it and I did give it four and a half stars. But it wasn't cracking my top 10. And I think a lot of it is the it's the emotional investment. And there's probably, you know, Puro nerds tearing the hair out that I've just gave a Kofi Kingston match uh, a place in my top 10. And I haven't got a place for uh, for old Kento Miyahara. But I think it is just that. It's the fact that I said to Gareth before we started recording, like I can, I can remember, you know, when I first, very, very first started watching New Japan and watched like uh, one of the first Okada, in fact, it was the first Okada Tanahashi matches. And I remember knowing it was great, but not really knowing why it was great. And because you're not following the story month to month, you can appreciate it for what it is, but you don't have that level of emotional investment. That obviously came quite mm. quickly with time with New Japan when I, when I did get back into New Japan. But I think, yeah, they, admittedly, you know, it's a promotion that is a bit of a blind spot for me. And I do think, yeah, without that maybe extra level of emotional investment, I can't pull the trigger and put it in my top 10. But I don't know, JP, should we be holding on for later or did it make it for you? It did make my list. Okay. Um, it's, it's not the next one I'm going to go for. But um, for me, uh, I just sort of fell in, like, just loving Kentahir Miyahara matches this year. How many of them did you watch um, this weekend, JP? Uh, of I realised of the ones I've seen this year, I think I've seen about eight of his matches this year, and I don't know if I've gone below four stars on any of them in terms of substantial singles matches as well. There's something about him as a performer that just connects with me, and that's one of the things that's going to kind of like pepper all of our lists is the 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 the, the little things, the performers that we kind of connect to. And I found with Miyahara, I'm kind of almost and I'm talking a lot about him and not as much about Nomura and I'll, I'll talk a bit more about the match in a bit but the thing I found about Miyahara is he's just kind of such a force of nature mm. watching him and he's got this mammoth task on his hands where he's got this old historic 
company with all of these kind of great memory, great sort of figures, um, you know, Barber, Masawa, Kabashi, all these kind of big Kawada, all these big figures throughout sort of Japanese mm. wrestling history. And he's having to try and carry it and bring it into a new age. And the likes of a Nomura and to a lesser extent, like a Jake Lee and potentially a Wagi, uh, you're kind of hoping that that's part of the kind of rebuild. And that's the story that I've kind of got an emotional investment with is watching this guy who is absolutely amazing, who in a Western market would have just been snapped up long ago as just being sort of too big for this territory. And he would go to a WWE type company, but mm. that's not something that happens with him in Japan. And that kind of makes it a bit more interesting for me. Fair enough. Well, yeah, I think we'll be expecting uh, a lot more of your thoughts uh, on that end of the world uh, as we go through the podcast, JP. But yeah, it's not, not like they but... peppered with it. I haven't gone like Kento <laughs> mental. What to do numbers wise on? Because uh, I know you had like a minimum, didn't you, Gareth, for like the hundred? How many ratings you needed? Was it fifty the minimum? It was lower that lower than that in the end. Um, I lowered it to like thirty in the end. I think there was just a couple of things there that mm. you know just sort of snuck in at the at the back end. But you know, I was pretty keen to make sure that we got kind of like broad representation as well. You know, mm. I think uh, when I was setting that benchmark, I didn't want something at like thirty ratings to come out top. Kind of, thing. <laughs> you know, I think as mm. you looked at things and the way things fell out, you know, I think it was I think it was important to get that representation because at the end of the day, you're trying to expose people to new matches and you know different mm. products and things like yeah. that, new wrestlers. You know. I've, I know I've certainly watched a lot more of uh, Miyahara this year than I ever would have done before the app, just purely from seeing these high ratings come in and things like that. So you know, is it, it is a down, you know, compared to others in terms of total ratings. But you know, when you've got you know sixty two people there giving it a mm-hmm. you know four point six three rating, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that obviously yeah. think it's very good. So you know, I think justifiable really. Well, I don't think I put my four and a half in yet, so I can't wait to drag that down if I don't need yeah. the purer fans. Oh, you might. I call them purer nerds yet. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm a Judas. Uh, but JP, what is uh, your, uh, as we get on to, to our number sevens, uh, what is your uh, actual number seven for the grapple top ten? So my number seven is a match we were all, um, at. actually, Gareth, you weren't at, unfortunately. I think you, have, you would have absolutely loved to have been. And it's a match from 16 Carat. Oh, and okay. this is this is where we get into the kind of live bias aspect. And in some ways, I've gone for a couple of matches which are kind of up there because of, and this is where I'm going to, you know, you get into the, the idea of it's important of where you watch a match, who you watch it with, what's the kind of environment. And Joe was mentioning earlier on about the kind of atmosphere at NXT um, at NXT in Brooklyn hmm. and about you don't really want to tarnish that because that's kind of a big part of the memory is how it actually felt in a kind of real raw sense. And so the match I've gone for, which had um, a really spectacular moment, absolutely loved it. I remember going back and watching it when we got back as well, because I loved their production values, Phoenix versus Walter, Um, which, yep, absolutely loved it live. I know. And and it's partly for me, it's kind of like, it felt for me it was like one of those kind of culminating moments of this company. It was before the Canyon Seaman video as well, which we had kind of gone to see. Absolutely loved. Been a carrot the year before. Um, you know, was kind of emotionally invested in, but they'd also played in the great, like the Walter as the kind of killer heel for the weekend, doing it for WWE as well, which they'd kind of um, put into there as well. I love Phoenix. Um, always enjoyed seeing him, particularly as a singles performer, like sort of a big fan. And I think AEW could really do something really great with him if they found a way of getting behind him, if they could stop 
booking shy every once in a while. That'd be just <laughs> nice for them to kind of remember they got these great wrestlers like that as well. But yeah, I went um I went for that and and also for that amazing spot of the mask literally being power bombed off Phoenix and then one yes. of the fans throwing in the mask that he had. Mm. That's like a hell of a moment. It's completely natural. And there's lots of other great matches I'll see that are probably technically better, but that will always stick with me. Yeah. Do you know what I I loved about that match as well? Mm. Um, it's not on my list. It's further down. Yeah. Um, but it's the most different Phoenix match I've ever seen. Mm. Like I love Phoenix. I think he's unique. I think he's really interesting as a wrestler and actually really versatile. But I don't think he shows that versatility off enough. I think he often ends up just doing the kind of spotty tropey stuff that he knows and people want to see and this was really story driven and it was the most story driven emotional phoenix match i've ever seen mm. um and it showed that if he needs to adapt at some point and he needs to do story-based stuff with a guy he could easily adapt and he could easily do that. And it's someone mm. I'd love to see him do a little bit more, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of those Phoenix Pentagon tags. I'm sick of Pentagon taking his gloves off. I so much prefer Phoenix as a, as a, as a singles underdog baby face. And he slotted perfectly into that Walter match. I'll be honest, JP, it was yeah. on my, my short list, but maybe going to Joe's point, it isn't one that I ended up rewatching because I did kind of think maybe there was a bit of live bias on my part for it. I, did, I, I think I gave it 4.25 stars in the end. Um, probably could have easily gone four and a half. It was one of my favourite matches of that weekend. Um, so I definitely, I definitely think it's a, a really strong pick, but uh, yeah, didn't quite make it into my time. Maybe leave it in the memories in that mm. case. Yeah, I think that's a, that's the that's the lesson we're uh, we're all yeah. learning today, JP. Um, how about you, Joe? What's uh, your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Will Ospreay versus Tanahashi from the G One. Hmm. <clears throat> um, I went for this one. Rewatched it as well today. And it's in the exact same position that it was in previously. What I love about this one is how simple the match is and how simple the sort of psych- psychological approach is in the match as well. It, Tanahashi's a genius, like an absolute mm. genius. This sort of reminded me of the Brian Kofi match, but mm. it was a better, uh, the, the opponent in the match had a better dance partner. And Tanahashi had Osprey to play with rather than Kofi Kingston. And simply he's a better wrestler who can do a lot more and brings a lot more to the table. What I loved about the match is the little simple things like the test of strength at the beginning where Tanahashi's thinking, oh, I'll just, I'll just outpower him. He doesn't outpower him. Osprey overpowers him on every single test of strength. Then he uses his speed over Tanahashi and Tanahashi starts kind of thinking, crap, I've got to find my way back into the match. Finds his opportunity by getting him in a dragon screw into the ropes outside and then works over the knee for ages, grounds Osprey, goes over him and constantly goes over his knee in different submissions. Osprey's comeback is awesome in this. Uh, that flip kick that he does, which is like the kick that Law does in Tekken, oh. which I used to love using. <laughs> My favorite move in wrestling. Osprey does that kick. Tadahashi holds onto him. Another dragon screw. Cloverleaf holds him for ages. Osprey selling is great in this. Once he manages to escape, he manages to hit a big flurry of offense. Basically, it's explosiveness against experience. Tanahashi realizes that Osprey can beat him on pace. And he can beat him on power, so he's got to ground him. And once he gets him grounded, 
He then sort of hesitates at one moment, goes for another sling blade. Osprey comes back in a really explosive fashion. It's a flurry of Osprey-style offense with like an Essex Destroyer, a shooting star press on the rest of it. Tanahashi can't respond. He's down. Osprey's explosiveness and his pace. Take over. Stormbreaker win. Simple, effective, Got Osprey over. Massive moment in Osprey's career. Mm. Osprey's the most invested I am in anyone in wrestling at the moment um, in terms of seeing him rise through the ranks in New Japan. That's all I want to see at this point in time. And this was a great sort of moment on the road to Osprey, sort of reaching the kind of pinnacle and sort of reaching that sort of mark he deserves to be at, if anything. And what a match between the best wrestler in the world and a man who might be the rest of a decade certainly the certainly my rest of a decade anyway yeah and the fact that like you said there the fact that Tanahashi's willing to put Osprey over so strongly and, and you know they had that little moment after the match as well didn't they this was an endorsement from Tanahashi of, yeah. a, of a wrestler in Wall Osprey that you might not expect a Tanahashi to dig but he's got eclectic taste that, that, that Tanahashi so maybe we shouldn't be too surprised but yeah that's if a, anyone thinks Will Osprey isn't a great wrestler like yeah, you lost that yeah. yeah look at the difference between Will Ospreay and Jay White it's <laughs> nice <night's laughs> day we'll talk about that later yeah. <laughs> well later uh, well my number seven is John Moxley and Tomohiro Ishii um, this is one that it's kind of gone up and down my list as, as time has gone on and other stuff's bumped it and then it's taken over other stuff that I've rewatched I tell you what, as far as rewatchers go, this was one that really, really held up for me. Uh, it's like, it's just I said I said earlier, like I thought the Invisible Man Invisible Stand match was the most fun match that I watched this year. This puts it close. Like I remember watching this one live during the G One and just having a, a hell of a time um, watching it along with the the rest of the timeline going crazy for just how much Ishii was up for it. And that's my abiding memory for it. It's just like, you could imagine, you know, Moxley turning up and going, listen, uh, Tom, what we're going to do is we're going to do some table spots. Uh, we're going to do a bit of brawl on the outside. There's going to be some chairs involved. And Ishii's just up for it. Like, Moxley's in his element, but Ishii is in his element too. It was a, you know, we take for granted how good Tomohiro Ishii is. He has all these great G1 matches that maybe we do forget come match of the year time but this was one that I couldn't forget not just for the incredible table spot like that visual of Ishii going up top and diving through the table on the outside is it's up there for me with moments of the year mm. but just the just the fact that it was a fight it was a fight it was different in a G1 that I'd you know as a G1 will have some samey looking matches uh, it just really stood out as yeah a big fight atmosphere two big characters and yeah you know maybe if you if we if we crunched the numbers and went purely with you know the te- the technical side of wrestling you know there might be a let's say a Tim Thatcher match out out there sorry Jamesy that's technically better than this but as far as fun and as far as for me favorite matches of the year I had to include this in my list because yeah it's you know when you talk about this year there are certain matches that slip through the cracks but this is one that yeah I still hugely remember and yeah went back and watched and I thought was was just as good second time out 
I'd think about including this this one as well because I think half of the fun of this is is also a complete vindication of John Moxley leaving WWE. It's kind of like it was the match that when looking at the matches he was going to have, it's like, oh, okay, so that Ishii one is is a main event, so that's going to be a big match. So there's a real curiosity going into it. It was a Kurikan, wasn't it? Mm. Um, <clears throat> So there's a real kind of like, I remember a real curiosity going into it. And like you say, it's a fight, but it's also the fact that you can tell that Moxley's having the kind of time of his life, mm. which is out there as well. And it kind of made him feel kind of real fresh. It's like a kind of nice feel good story within the G1 itself. Mm. And kind of gave hope to a lot of other people who are thinking, you know, if you feel like you're not being used to the best of your ability, once you get out of that contract, here's a place that you can go to where you can basically go buck wild. And God, he did. And you can tell it even now to this day. It's, it's, he definitely loves being out there in Japan. And I don't see him trying to give it up anytime soon. Uh, Gareth, what's the grapple? Number seven. Yeah, the uh, number seven on grapple is uh, from the hottest brand in sports entertainment. Oh, no. It's, it's our brand. Oh, no. Uh, it's uh, oh. Walter versus Tyler Bate from <laughs> NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. Oh. Uh, in there with uh, 444 people, given an average of 4.66. Um, yes, clearly very popular, it's, that one. Uh, I, I it thought, was a really good It's, it's a it great was, match. Yeah. It's, yeah. Is I, it the I, best match in NXT UK history? Yeah, oh, with that like, no I questioned. I reviewed this one for post and I was trying to I was thinking do I need to rewatch this match should I be considering it for my top 10 and I read my own review realised how long the match was and was like nah I'm not watching that again uh, like, it, what, I gave it 4.25 at the time but it wasn't even the best match of that weekend uh, for me personally but you know there are people who went 5 on it so I can see why it's done it's done so well in. Uh, it's 12 on my list of overall matches for the year oh okay that's strong I, I, I did think it was it's, it had the w, the sort of NXT layout at points, mm. and it probably they probably went a bit too long and a bit too far. But they were like all Japan tribute spots from the nineties that they're pulling off in there, and it's Tyler Bate doing that with Walter at twenty two years of age, and it's Tyler Bate who's a guy who should be one of the best wrestlers in the world right now, mm. and he almost is, but he's wrestling forty matches a year, unfortunately, showing why he should be getting pushed and why he should be featuring these sort of matches. I thought it was a really good match. I, I know we've got a little bit of inherent bias against <laughs> NXT. Yeah. Still recovering from yesterday, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was really glad when I heard Meltzer bashing Joe oh, Coffey in the Joe Coffey Walter match today. It was, it was awesome. It was like, yeah, cheers, Dave. <laughs> uh, but this was a good match. It was a really, really good match. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I must admit myself, you know, obviously we were all at the Copper Box together and mm. I came back and, you know, was watching this one and I was. I kind of wanted to hate it kind of thing just because yeah. of the way the whole card had been put together in sure. opposition and everything like that and you know kind of sat down and watched it and you know it, you know it really rivaled the main event from Royal Quest for me you know at the end of the day when I came to rate it I was I was uh, sort of like really pleasantly surprised with it you know I think as I've been compiling this list though I think the main thing that jumped out to me though is that it's like it's the only Tyler Bate match on the list and on ah. the whole top 100 and you again just kind of some of the points you were making on BWE yes, uh, yesterday but it's just absolutely criminal isn't it that you've got a lad with his talent at that age and you know he could he's capable of being on here you know five to ten times really and he's only just got that one match to show for him yeah will cool you give us some examples of uh, maybe a couple of fight club pro matches he's had this year but the, for me jp there was just i didn't consider this match because personally i didn't love it as much as everyone else but 
I didn't consider Tyler Bates in, in general. Didn't even enter my brain as far as top 10 matches for I mean, this year. I mean, I saw him at Tuesday Night Graps have a great match that Joe would have loved, but, you know. <laughs> what was that one? Uh, inflatable something, probably. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, in the sliding doors universe, he would, have been in, he would have been in that best of the super juniors this year mm. and imagine some of the matches he would have had. And I always think, and that's unfortunately, I, I hate to say it's one of the things that ends up possibly tarnishing him with me is the case of what, what should be not so much what could have been because he's so ridiculously young but kind of what he should be doing at this point and the kind of career he should be and the body of work he should be building up for himself anyone know when his contract's up Oh, uh, he won't let you'll be a lifer, won't he? You'll be you'll be you'll be they'll be dangling on like NXT clear proper some Paris. time and he's got the Thetans going through his mm. fucking eyeballs, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, they'll be dangling that NXT proper carrots forever. Like there's always that's another that, that's like you said uh, before, Joe, like Meltzer going going in on NXT UK was a pleasure listening to that this morning. And that's the thing he said. It's like on the one hand you think you wanna see Tyler Bates, you know, in a better place than League Two WWE, but do you really? What, what happens to Tyler Bates on the main roster? I suppose NXT proper is the best case scenario, but... Yeah, he could be shorty B. <laughs> that could be. Yeah. Yeah, oh, left God, he would be, wouldn't he? You'd just be yeah, the shorty squat, you know? of him and Chad Gable team up. With his funny accent. <laughs> if, yeah. Him and Tony Storm would be the new body donners, just doing squats. <laughs> that's what I've been to have them doing. But um, anyway, uh, JP, uh, moving on. What's your number six uh, for your top ten this year? Well, we've already mentioned it um, already, so I won't bang on too much about it, but this is Kento Miyahara versus uh, Nao Nomura. Um, for a lot of the reasons I kind of already mentioned as uh, as well, why the reason I went for this one is, I mean, I've, of the Miyahara matches that I've seen, Nomura's clearly the kind of the best of the opponents that is threatening to kind of get up on that level with him in terms of the being the career rival and for me it's kind of like peak Miyahara of what I'd what I'd seen this year there's another match that I watched of theirs which was earlier on the year at the dream power series as well but just sort of the real ebb ebb and flow that happens within this match there's never a point where I felt was dull now obviously the mileage kind of differs and you've explained very well earlier on about why in terms of the emotional investment but it's kind of a a thing and like I said before it's a nostalgia thing for sort of all Japan that I think is going on with me and, and and why I'm sort of so interested in Kenta Miyahara just the pace he works at he knows how to vary the pace he kind of slows it down but at the same time there's like these incredibly like kind of electric offence that will take place and these kind of very quick transitions when he manages to kind of work himself out of uh, opponent's moves there's Everything that he he does, like when the way he comes out, but he also comes out first as well. So the crowd is kind of pumped, but it doesn't actually kind of overstate the opponent as well when they come out afterwards. So it's slightly different from what you'd expect from it. He has all those kind of great qualities about Nakada. And I think in this is the best of the matches that I've seen um, of him. And like I said, there's about eight matches of him I've watched this year. And I think all of them are generally like four stars. Um, I think there's even one there against Yoshi Tatsu as well. Um, but yeah, he's got everything I would kind of, you would want in an ace. Charisma, works against a variety of opponents, can go from heel to face in the same match and get sympathy on his opponents as well. Yeah, just he, he, really great. And um, funny enough, for the one time I've seen him live, uh, it wasn't even the best match on the show in Swindon. <laughs> what was that? What did you say? Uh, it was four FW. Oh yeah. Uh, 
The Bruisers, Crusher Lomax, and what's the other fella called? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I can be getting confused with that brother, Brenton Destruction team. Oh, yeah, I know yeah, it's yeah. not them. Yeah, yeah Crusher Lomax the and his brother, and they look like the Mitchell brothers, and <laughs> kids in the crowd were singing the, or doing da 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 during the, during the match. Now, yeah. And a, it was a better match than the Miyahara match. It was honestly like a really well laid out tag match. Oh, I'll tell you who was in it. Jack Stars was in that yes. match. UK Superstar. Yeah, it was the Bruises against Jack Stars or someone else. Tell you what, Jack Stars sold his arse off yep. and got loads of sympathy as a baby face in that. Maybe WWE saw his selling and bumping him for, ah, you'll be a good guy for a squash match. Perhaps you, they were at a scout of 4FW. Do you think they time. turn up thinking, right, we're going to make a big play for this Miyahara and then watch that match and thought, fucking older horses, lads, let's go with Jack Stars <laughs> instead. For squash matches. Yeah. There you go, we could fill a role. <laughs> but uh, okay, we're, we're almost near in the midpoint. So, uh, Joe, what's your number six? Ah, mine's that Naito Shingo match that you and Gareth were slacking <laughs> off. Look, <early. laughs> well, we just don't remember. That's all it is, Joe. Yeah, I get it. There's, I've, I've got loads of matches on here, and I was, I looked at one earlier. I was like, down in the fifties, a card of evil from G One. I'm like. I don't remember the match. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember it. I've just got, I'm like, what, what happened in that match? But no, zoned it out. Um, but this one, I rewatched today as well. Uh, awesome match. Really awesome match. Um, what I loved about this one is the way they built the match with it being the sort of two LIJ guys colliding, two guys who train together, meeting in a match for the first time. And I've got to say, chemistry was, I thought, out of this world mm. um again really simple psychological approach all about shingo's power all about naito trying to use speed and trickery but maybe losing a little bit of an edge when it comes to doing that so at times he can't outsmart him in the way that say an osprey did a tanahashi so they were sort of telling a bit of a story in this of naito even though he hadn't got to that kind of zenith at this point sort of losing a little bit at this point in time and shingo maybe being able to overcome him as the guy in lij so i really love that story and what i liked about it was what you got a lot of in this match was Naito bumping for Shingo. Naito really getting Shingo over, really allowing Shingo to look like a strong guy, almost a number two in LIJ, if anything. And if you think Sonada and Evil are two and three, you can fuck off because Shingo's the fucking man. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Yeah. Shingo's strikes in this are yeah. amazing. The range of lariats he used, his short arm lariat is incredible. Uh, the pumping bombers and the way Naito bumps from this, absolutely amazing. What I loved as well is Naito sort of resorts to some old school Naito tactics as well at different points of it and realises that to overcome power, he's got to use speed and he's got to resort to the old playbook. Lovely couple of flying Hurricane Ranas in there. There's a great one where Shingo's going to go for a power bomb off the top rope and Naito reverses it into a Hurricane Rana, follows it up with a Poison Rana, but then after that, Shingo comes back with an absolutely massive lariat that I was losing my shit for. Like The story's all about uh, Naito's cunning and ring smarts against Shingo's pure power and Shingo not being as smart a wrestler as Naito in order to overcome him at this point in time and it felt like it was planting seeds for someone else down the line which is what I love about these New Japan matches and the layered narratives that they're putting in place thinking about where you go later on with the story 
Absolutely amazing match. Uh, oh, the Made in Japan that Shingo hits as well. One of the best I've ever seen. Naito tries to get out of it. Shingo manages to talk him and just hit it just inside. Absolutely awesome. As a reversal from a pumping bomber into like a last minute desperate destino that looked amazing as well. I love this match. The pace it was worked at as well is something else that I should mention. Worked at an electric pace. 27 minutes at just this mad, mad pace. I love Shingo. I think he's one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. And I think he's number two in my wrestler of the year list. Great match. Tell you what, Joe, I just uh, did a little dig on the uh, on the grapple app. I gave this four and a half stars. <laughs> Don't remember a yeah. thing. Maybe ringing some bells now you're going through the match. I think I do remember having that thought of, yeah, Shingo's the guy as far as LIJ goes. But yeah, one, maybe I should have rewatched it. Did it come across your radar, JP? It didn't, but I have to say it's probably because there's such a body of work of Shingo to Takagi from this year that he has had. And in some ways, it's funny to hear a lot about the sort of wrestler of the year conversation. I'm not saying that Shingo, he's certainly not mentioned up there in the debate as being sort of the wrestler of 2019. But when you think of some of the matches that he had this year, this is a guy who, I think also because of his age, there's a relatively short window but they could really go with it with something. And I think they could really get something from a, a really good, strong couple of years out of him and even possibly up to sort of IC level as well. I think it's because Osprey is such a strong number one for this year. Yeah. When I go for this list of 95, I was looking at G1 and I was thinking it was Osprey and Shingo as one and two for me as mm. performers in that G1. Ishii in there as well, definitely. Ibushi was great. But yeah, Shingo, the matches with Goto that he had, mm. that match of Ishii was incredible. There are so many you can go through. And think of Shingo's best of the Super Juniors. Well, yeah. Okay. Sorry, JP. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Ben. Back to you, mate. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, well, I think there'll be plenty of uh, Shingo talk to come. And yeah, it'll be a crime if he's not uh, in a featured match next Wrestle Kingdom. But yeah, my number six, uh, you talked it before, Joe. Uh, kept some a little bit because uh, I've got a couple of takes on it myself. Uh, Tanahashi Osprey from the G1 gave it four and a half stars. And to be honest, I'm still surprised now. I remember at the time everybody rated the Okada Osprey match higher than this one. It was it's done much better and Gareth can fill us in in a minute in the year in the Grapple 100 I believe but even going back and watching back like for me this was the match of Osprey's tournament. Uh, I think it's like you said earlier Joe it's the it's the Tanahashi knee work and what I love and oh, leg work in general what I love so much about it is in the end it doesn't work but that makes sense within the story. You know, there's moments where, you know, Osprey goes for the space flying Tiger drop and he kind of lands it just to the side, doesn't he? And he doesn't quite mm. get the, the, the full... He doesn't pull the full thing off. And to be honest, the commentary are covering for him because I think it's a botch. But the commentary are like, did you see that? Osprey couldn't quite uh, hit it as, as well as he normally does because he's, he's hurt his leg. So like you said, Joe, is Selim is there. Osprey's Selim is there. He just, as we all know, and as we saw at Wrestle Kingdom this year, Osprey can work on one leg. We literally saw it in real life, Osprey being able to work on one leg. So I, I don't know, maybe it's that side of it that maybe, I'm not saying people didn't like, but maybe didn't rate it as, as much as the Okada match. But for me, yeah, uh, the Okada match was tied for, for number nine with me and uh, Star Walter didn't end up uh, didn't end up pipping it. But for me, this was this was the match of the G1. It was, I said to Gary before we started recording, I think the 
Osprey fighting through that pain and fighting through and getting that big scalp against the Tanahashi and that big moment of Osprey winning. Maybe that's another reason, you know, I think it's my favourite match of the G1. That's probably another reason I gave it 4.75 on Grapple. And I'll, I'll be honest, maybe I'd walk that back and give it four and a half uh, at this point, but still well worthy of uh, of number six on my list. And to be honest, again, in a G1 where a lot of things can, can blend in, it just really stood out for me as the... <coughs> The moment Osprey had arrived, I remember on the podcast at the time it happened, Joe, me and you going back and forth on how much we both loved this thing and how great a moment it was. Maybe it resonates more because we're so invested in Osprey as well. Uh, but yeah, this was Osprey's arrival party. And as we said earlier, it was uh, it was Tanahashi giving him the, the seal of approval as well. That uh, I think that made it uh, so memorable as well. Uh, yeah. On the uh, the grapple point, Gareth, uh, did it? Uh, where did that chart again? I think you said when, uh, when Joe did it. Caught me, off, caught me off there. <laughs> Get on it, mate. Come on. <laughs> Fill some air, JP. Um, it was all the way down, wasn't it? It was uh, number, was, 40, yeah. uh, number, number 40 overall. Oh, there we go. We've got another wow. to save you there, JP. That's shocking to me because Osprey Card is going to be coming up in a little while. Is that right, Gareth? Yeah, yeah. So I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't be pitting these two matches against each other. But yeah, for me at the time and now, it's the best Osprey match of the G1. But I don't know. Any takes on that, JP? I was going to say in terms of the, it's a much more emotional dynamic for this so it gets it gets down to the point of are we you know the things that appeal to us is that element of motion that's what Tanahashi always brings to a match and it's the credibility and the kudos and that we all know and understand between the four of us what a big deal it is for Will Ospreay to defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi in Japan in a G1 tournament it all has meaning and it all has resonance I'm kind of glad I didn't put it in my top 10 Hmm. Um, but I think as well, it says a lot, like you say, there's there's a lot of stuff, especially around that G1, where it can play. I don't know if it plays like kind of a mind trick with you in a sense, but you kind of go, oh, God, yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah. So like a match that's not in there at all. It was like Kota Ibushi Evil that hmm. I absolutely loved. Um, you know, there's 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 a whole variety of of kind of matches that that we kind of forget about and it becomes an emotional thing and I think for all of us as well it's seeing Will Ospreay someone that we've been following for years like I said before getting a really big substantial moment like it's it's the kind of stuff that resonates and you don't get taken away it's like when he was in New Japan he beat Hiroshi Tanahashi in a G1 and when you see Tanahashi's G1 record I mean it's it's incredible stuff think about this is a bit of an aside so I think we did that BWE episode last night on UK Takeover mm. and I remember when I first started going to a lot of independent British wrestling shows, there was always a comparison between Will Ospreay and Mark Andrews. And to yeah. me, it's clear that Ospreay was far and away a better wrestler with a much higher ceiling than Mark Andrews. And think about Mark Andrews playing um, WWE wrestler. I want to be one of the Hardy Boys last night. <laughs> and Will Ospreay got to pin Hiroshi Tanahashi at Suma, not Suma, who, who, a Budokan Hall. Like, fucking hell. Yeah. Like, Will Ospreay has lived his fucking dreams this year, and Mark Andrews thinks he's lived his dreams this year. That's the difference between those two at this point. That sums it up. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it, it's not going to be the highest placed Ospreay match on my list, but yeah, a big memorable one for me. Uh, Gareth, what's the, uh, the grapple number six? Uh, number six, it's another Walter match. So he's in seventh place against Tyler Bates, and he's also in sixth place um, against uh, Jordan Devlin at mm. Scrapper Mania 5. Um, mm. So it comes in, it's actually got the same match rating, so it must be a small 
difference there, 4.66 overall for for that one. But yeah, the the, the first of the uh, three uh, three matches there in the in the series this year. Um, I'm sure it's made a few top fives of different people, so I'll probably leave it to you guys to talk about that a bit further on. <laughs> well, uh, might as well. I'll jump in now. Uh, I'll, I'll upset the order, lads, because it is actually my number five. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I love this thing. I, I, on rewatch, I was shocked at how much I liked it more than I liked, and I loved um, Star Walter, but there was something about this. Uh, just, I think it's just such such a simple story. It's not convoluted in any way. Uh, there is a big moment near the end, I suppose, where you can say that about the match. But it was just the underdog babyface, his hand taken out, fighting from underneath against the monster. Um, you know, it, it kind of, in a lot of ways, it's the it's the typical Walter match where he's you know he's the big dominant monster in the early stages, and the babyface is having to come back. But I think it was for me the most perfect encapsulation of. Walter as final boss falling apart. Like we, you know, we mentioned it a couple of times for our sins. We did a, a takeover review for BWE yesterday, and we all hated that main event. Uh, and hate personally, I hate the Walter presentation in WWE. I don't like him needing, you know, a stable to, to do his bidding. I don't like him being a coward in general. And I rewatched this match today, and part of me was like, "Oh, am I being hypocritical?" Because in this match, he's kind of a, he's kind of cowardly, but it fits so perfectly with the story. He's just desperate to hold on to his belt, and it's come to this. This is the the culmination where you know it's the emperor's nuclear. It's the it, 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 he's maybe not what we all thought he was. That's the story that they're telling in the match. In every match leading up to this, at least up until maybe the last couple, he'd been you know dominant, dominant Walter. But the shitty side of Walter, you know, stamping on the flag and just generally being a being more of a you know a heel who, who has no respect for for OTT in general, which does make him a bit of a hypocrite being a being a wrestler who you know demands people's respect. But I think that makes you hate him more, and I think it just worked perfectly in that it is a match where yeah he slowly falls apart, he loses the ability to use the chop, he then tries to leave, and yet yeah, you do get your convulsed that part of the match where Joker Bray of all people is a uh, is square up to Walter to get him back into the ring, but then mm. the, and then the more than height lads trying to you know corral him and get him back in the ring and that is you know a moment that is a you know it does stop the match a little bit but i think it it, it bleeds so well into the finish that i'm willing to forgive it it, it, it goes you can pretty much go straight from there into you know david star finally getting sorry david star wish jordan devlin finally getting the, the pin on walter and it's just such a you know there's been a million great moments in ott this year but you know that that, that fan reaction, you know, back when, you know, everyone did love uh, Jordan Devlin still, when he fought, when he does down Walter, the roster come into the ring, David Starr stood on the stage, you know, just, uh, and what you can see, I think I love the moment where Walter, despite everything he's just done, goes and shakes Jordan Devlin's hand. And again, in another scenario, you might look at that and go, he's been the shitbag heel this entire match. How can you then go and do that? But it works because you see Walter at the corner of his eye have a little sly look at David Starr and then shake Devlin's hand almost like he's rubbing it in that Devlin's got Walter's respect and David Starr never will. And, you know, you might say, you know, the post-match shouldn't count in in rating of a match, but I do think, you know, there's a couple of matches in this list where I do think the post-match does add so much. And, yeah, I, I was surprised myself. I didn't expect this to, to make my top five as much as I've already given it, you know, four and a half stars on Grapple, but it's landed there and I'm uh, I'm quite happy for it to be right there in the uh, in the middle of my list. 
Well, great minds think alike, because that's my number five as well. Oh, well, um, sorry, Jamie, that's not your thunder. And I agree with you. No, 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 no. And I, just looking back, and I was looking back at my notes, I remember writing about it at the time, um, and a lot of it, the stuff that you've mentioned on here, about the way that they sort of built up the four-punch combo, and then with Walter attacking the hand, the rollout after the fo- first to- tombstone. There was everything about this. I mean, it was funny enough, was it? It was the show we reviewed on the first... Was it the first episode we did when we came across the grapple? Ah, uh, we did do a Scrapomania review right at the start, didn't we? Scrapomania. Yeah. And so I can remember doing it because I did the Martin Brennan thing <laughs> as That's well, right, yeah. right? With the music. And that, for me, is like... When you're thinking about this kind of intangible... <laughs> you Garrett's face right now. There he is. <laughs> oh, I, am yeah. laugh- I am laughing. <laughs> and also crying. You love, a, you love a bit of Irish nationalism. Um, the, one of the, the, the things that always kinds of stands out for me from that show you sort of look at that audience you look at the reaction those kind of images from when when he won that belt it's the kind of stuff that really incredibly well booked wrestling is designed to do and it did this with an audience that wants to go along with this with a heel and a face playing their roles absolutely perfect um yeah um it's not my favorite of the of these matches necessarily but um yeah i think it's amazing and deserves to be there so i had it down as my number five how about you joe uh my number five is and it's probably some live bias but oh my god did i love this Mm. and myself jp and gareth were sat with one another at this show uh it's a carter versus suzuki from royal quest um Oh, the live memory of this is one that I don't want to don't want to spoil by watching the match back. I sort of think about watching the match back with a little bit of fear because Suzuki for me is I think Will Ospreay is the best live wrestler I've ever seen because of the, the sheer amount of incredible matches and mind blowing things I've seen him do live. But for me, in terms of an aura and in terms of value for money, Suzuki is the second best live wrestler I've ever seen. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to see him in Rev Pro these last couple of years so often. And, oh, my God, this is the best performance I've seen from the man. Every, every bit of this arena was behind Suzuki during this match after a while. So much presence uh, carried himself with sort of such an aura around him as well. And his performance in the match, for a man of 51 to pull out a performance where he was doing athletic spots and mad drop kicks, but it's also where he places stuff in the matches as well. So the, I remember the drop kick he did. I remember me and Gareth next to each other going absolutely mad when he did it. And then there was this incredible strike sequence as well that he did in Akada, where he was just slapping Akada around like he was an amateur. I'd never seen Akada look like a baby face in peril in this way before. It was just something different. And it was a completely different type of a Carter match. It was like a Carter had been forced to work a Suzuki match. The tease on the Gotch pile driver as well, and the way he kept building it. And I remember us thinking Suzuki's winning this. Like it felt like they were building to this massive moment where he was going to leave the champion. And I love a Carter, 
and I wanted to see a card going to Wrestle Kingdom as champion. But on this night in the moment, my God, did I want to see a title change. It felt big. It felt really eventful. I'm spoiled because I've got to see two IWGP title matches live this year. One of them had Jay White in. One of them was a disappointment because Ring of Honor were hosting a New Japan match. This felt like a proper IWGP title match. Little things like seeing the title video before of all the former champions, just little touches like that added so much to the occasion, to the match, and to the event. Copper Box, an amazing arena as well, and I really hope New Japan come back this year because they're onto such a good thing over here if they carry on coming over here and putting shows and matches of this quality on over here. And long may Minoru Suzuki carry on like this, pulling out a match like this every now and then because the man is something special. Yeah, I'm kind of... um, I I think I'm going to... To my last day, if they don't come back to the copper box, Joe, I didn't make that trip. Gareth had a spare ticket. They, I, I turned it down. <laughs> Couldn't make the. I can't remember what it was, or it was money or time or what. The fact that I wasn't there for that show, yeah, I think I'm gonna always. I don't think I had. I expected the copper box to be that good a venue. I don't. Ex, I think I expected this to be a good match, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it as it is. Uh, it's gonna be on my honourable mentions, but not on my list. But yeah, they've got to come back. Uh, this year, if only for me to uh, to fix that uh, that wrong that I did to myself last year, and yeah, hugely jealous of uh, of you three men getting to uh, sit there in the crowd for this one. Yeah, it was um, it was certainly my card of the year, certainly the best live show that I had been to as as well. Um, well, Dave says they're not coming over, so it must be true. <sighs> yeah, let's hope those sorts and uh, issues that he's maybe had with his uh, New what? Japan stuff continues to be the case, JP. I think on that front, I think one of the things that might be slightly complicating is there was a guy, I want to say it was Michael Craven or someone like that. That was his name, who was like the guy who was heading up a lot of the kind of expansion plans around Europe. I think he's gone. Hmm. So I think there's a little bit of sort of change in the back office and that might be something that ends up delaying it. But no, they need to get over there. Sure. Um, Gareth, uh, the grapple number five uh, for 2019. Uh what did we wind up with on the grapple app? Uh, the number five match. Um, you've been talking about an alternative to this like quite a bit between years. We've got um, <laughs> Okada and Osprey from uh, G1 Climax in at number five there. Average of 4.68 with a nearly 500 people rating that one. Um, again, I don't know if it's made anyone's top five. It seems like the... Uh, the it's uh, my the number four. The, oh, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to uh, get some get get some takes from you on it, Joe. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to do it down though myself because I, I did enjoy it, and it could have easily been my number nine. It was more of a coin flip for me for number nine. Uh, I think for me, it was just that I enjoyed Tanahashi more. But if you want to go into it, Joe, yeah, do you want to jump in with your number four? You went you went with this higher than the Tanahashi match then. Yeah, yeah, ever so slightly, ever so slightly. Mm. You know, it's at this point, it's you know, yeah, apples and oranges. Let's just. Fair. To use a cliche. It's kind of what mood you're in when you're watching the match as That's well. It might even play into it, how awake you are. I rewatched mm. both of them back to back today. This was my lunch hour today, watching oh. these matches. And we put some work in for the uh, Grapple Public, haven't we, Joe, these last couple of days? 
Absolutely, you know, yeah. appreciating uh, the uh, the fan base that that listen to this uh, wonderful podcast that we like to put on um, <laughs> for you guys. Yeah, tooting our own horn and all that. <laughs> Patreon coming soon. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at least, you, so at least what, you get to watch matches. I sit and look at a spreadsheet. <laughs> exactly. You have, you have a data man, Gareth. You're the, you're slaving away Sat while we're the, we're the talent out there performing each week. <laughs> this is fantasy football with you two, Abdiel and Skinner, and uh, Gareth Stato. I don't know. What that makes me, but that's what it is. Jeff Astle. Uh, what is the guy? Jeff, what was his name? Jeff Astle. Jeff Astle. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I was hoping the song. I'll be Jeff Astle. That yeah, you're the veteran. Although well, you, you, and you see each other every day, like Badil and Skinner probably do. Yeah, know. that's the thing. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll take it. I'll, t- I'll take this. Oh. And Skinner is about ten years older than Badil as well. So, oh yeah. You know the age difference <laughs> bit as well. And I'm very foul mouthed, like Frank Skinner. <laughs> So. You're not a Christian though, and you do like a drink on occasion. Is he a Christian these days? Yeah, he likes a. He's been a. He's alcoholic as well and drunk for about. Oh, I know about years. that. I read his autobiography. It's brilliant, but is he? Is he? Oh, yeah, I saw something about him loving a bit of God. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, each uh, their own. Osprey Akada. I'm sure Frank Skinner would be a fan of this one if he ever gave it a watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, it just just hit the Tanahashi match. Um, what I loved about it was it was a Corican. Like a molten Corican. I was thinking to myself, in terms of best matches ever at Corican, I think my favourite ever is uh, um, Kabashi and Kikuchi against um, uh, Crowfoot and... Um, Le- uh, Lafon. No, uh, no, no, no. Um, Crowfoot. Crowfoot and... Furnace. Oh, yeah, Doug Furnace. Doug the Can-Ams, yeah. Absolutely amazing tag match from 1992. Just mind-blowing. Great molten Corican crowd. This might be my second favourite match of Corican ever, honestly. Wow. Just great stuff. Uh, and in Corican, the modern age, you know, it's not often that we get matches like this in that great hall, mm. if anything. What I'll say is it's Osprey slotted in and wo- working the Akada match. He's working a slower, less frenetic pace. He's not working that sort of blink and you miss his style that... You know, he might have been working the best of the Super Juniors quite a lot. A great style, but it's Osprey showing that he's diverse and that he's adaptable. And you can put him in any environment and he'll adapt and he'll have that person's match of him. Now, every single move in this match had some sort of meaning. And that's what I loved about it. What I loved about the early stages of the match, re-watching it, is Akada's got Osprey scouted. You know, he's his chaos teammate. They play that up. He knows his high-flying offense. He's got that scouted. He finds counters to absolutely everything that Osprey tries to do. So he starts working his neck over as well because Osprey's got the um, tape on his neck because he went into the he went into this injured, didn't he? So he's playing off on the neck. He's wearing Osprey down easily. But then Osprey has to start finding alternative means to his usual high-flying offense to get past Akada. So you get stuff like springboard Oz cutters from the railing outside, <laughs> which changes the pace mm. and the momentum of the match. Just really, really great spot that they work to as well. They build to the point that they hit that move. And it feels really earned when it comes, if anything. Um, what I love as well is just how much Akada underestimates Osprey's striking ability. So Akada thinks he can lay it in on him, but Osprey's there with him on more or less every strike. And the way Akada sort of subtly sells how surprised he is at Osprey's striking ability and then tries to change and reverse the pace of the match again. It's just great stuff. It's what New Japan does best. It's simple psychology. Guys absolutely understand their characters, 
understanding what they're supposed to be good at as wrestlers and as characters in the ring, and they build matches around those characters better than any company in the world. Maybe any company ever, if you ask me. The pace in this match is amazing as well. It builds so well throughout. It starts a little bit slow, but it gets a little bit more frenetic as it goes on, and it kind of suits Osprey's pace. And Akada realizes that in order to get on top of Osprey, he basically has to adapt his game as well and has to quicken up his pace. When we get towards the end of the match, Akada hits a couple of amazing rainmakers in really fast motion that he realizes he's got to do to get Osprey down. He can't take his time in this one. He can't relax for a moment because Osprey's got him in terms of his explosiveness. And that led in for me to the Tanahashi match where Osprey's explosiveness overcame the Tanahashi of today who isn't as fast, who Mm. isn't quite there when it comes to the pace. But it was was Akada's smarts in terms of adapting, realizing that that got him through the match. The psychology I loved, some of the reversal sequences and some of the unique um, counters to different moves on a different level. Absolutely amazing stuff. There was one that ended up with a Canadian destroyer. Yeah. There was one where a Carda reversed the Ray, uh, sorry Osprey reversed the Raymaker into a sit out power bomb. It was just just a great great match for molten crowd. I remember watching this at the time and I was convinced Osprey was winning this. You know mm. uh, he's going to get that win over a Carda at some point, mm. and when that comes, oh my yeah. god, what a day that's going to be! And imagine the explosion. And I'm sure they're going to play off this match as well. And it's what I love about New Japan: the memory, the payoff you get for remembering and processing big things that happen in big matches. Mm. The incidental details. It's they're a wonderful company, and long may this continue. You're going to remember that moment, aren't you, when when Okada finally, finally puts him down, uh, finally hits the Rainmaker and pins him. And it's that, you know, as an Osprey fan, that deflation of, oh, I really thought this was the one. I really thought that this was the one we were going to get that moment. And you're going to take that feeling with you. And then the next time you pair them up, whether it's in the G1 again or they do another one-off match, uh, you're going to be thinking about that, yeah. And it's going to be absolutely huge. And to be honest, it helped, you know, the moment when Osprey beat Tanahashi, the fact that he failed against Okada, but then got to beat Tanahashi was a big thing for me loving that too. But yeah, I love this thing too. Great on We Watch, uh, really good and barely, barely slipped out on making my top 10. Was it uh, in consideration for you, JP, or should uh, we expect to hear it later? It's you. I won't be going. I won't. I won't need to really go into an as much as much detail in it. But it's something that appears oh, is, sorry. as my third person. No, it's fine. You've done my my job for me, mate. So that's all right. <laughs> oh, and awesome. actually, he's done my job for my number four. Oh. And I was well before because I went with. And again, this is very much where uh, a life perspective. Again, Akada Suzuki from Royal Quest. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not a lot I can add to it that, that Joe hadn't already said. Like and as we've already said, Ben, and we like to be rubbing it in, um, ourselves and Gareth were sat there together watching oh, and how, how, how incredible <laughs> it was as well. And the one point where I got to have a good look at the venue and have a wander around involved... The, that was during the Jay White match. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So he and got to have that chat with Shah Samuels, who was livid about the day before. Shah Samuels is a better wrestler than Jay White. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> more entertaining. <laughs> knows his character better. Better T-shirts. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went for this one. It, it was... 
I have to admit, part of it is built on the idea it was the first IWGP title match that I'd ever seen live. Mm. And that in and of itself is something that always seems so very distant when you first start watching wrestling. When you first start watching Japanese wrestling. The idea and the concept of going over there to do it would have seemed like somewhat, still somewhat incredible. Um, and now more and more people are doing it. You know, mine's only just got back from, from being over there as well. And being able to see a substantial IWGP title match between two bona fide legends, both of them absolutely working their arse off, a crowd that's absolutely molten and invested in both of them. And as Joe explained, the crowd's entirely behind Suzuki, but at the same, it's not like anyone hated Okada. It was just, they wanted Suzuki to win. We got everything we could have wanted. Also got that video package at, at the beginning that I know it's a, it may seem like a silly thing, hmm. but to someone like me, that's like an incredibly important effect. I think one of the, the reasons as well, so glad to go is then hearing about the problems that people had on the stream of the day, which seems to be the one downside yeah. of that entire show. Another reason I regret not going, JP. Thanks for that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, but, you know, in for a penny, if I'm going to kick you all down, I might as well get fault. some good boots in there, yeah. So, yeah, I, I went with this one as number four. It was my, my live match of the year. And if they come back, They'd be. I can't understand why they would go to any other reason, any other arena than the Copper Box. It's an amazing venue, um, Gareth. You can probably att- you can attest to that as well. Yeah, I think it just felt genuine, didn't it? I think that was the main thing for me when we were like sat up there looking down. I felt like I actually could have been like sat in Japan or something like that. The way the arena looked, the way it was set up, and things like that. And I think, you know, if you think about them shows where. Were they a Rev Pro show? Were they a New Japan show that we went to in like Altrincham and things like that yeah. the year before? You know, it certainly wasn't yep. the same feeling there. The different refs and things like that. You know, yeah. I think this just had that real authentic New Japan feel to it, and you know, certainly we had a we had a great time. Well, then I sat up here uh, <laughs> nipping around to Greg's yeah. and whatever he was doing that day. Lads, the stream shit the bed so bad. I watched the NXT UK takeover. That was my day oh, that day. Man. <laughs> And it, to be fair, you know, Tyler Walter, as we said earlier, was was a very good match. But yeah. Uh, anyway, fuck you all. I got to see Sabu live in Bootle. So, you know yeah, what? Yeah. You get you get the copper box. JP, and the you got the Norwegian Sabu last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've had some memories. Uh, I'll tell yeah. you what, by the way, JP's got me onto something there. It's a really good point, actually, about IWGP title matches seeming like this distant, faraway world. Hmm. Do you know what my dream is? I'd love to do the grapple journey at some point. The grapple lads in Japan. That'd be the dream. What yes. do you reckon? Let's do it. We can get Martin out there to be our guide. Oh uh, yeah. I, I honestly like this past this this year, the two Wrestle Kingdoms, all the shows around it, like you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. Gareth. Yeah, that, I'm I'm jealous. What, what do you reckon? Make a make a plan for do one. It should, should year, I get on the blow to Harold? What's that? Get on the blower to Harold. <laughs> there you go. Harold the tortoise. I'll get, get us we haven't said sponsor. anything remotely slanderous about him or or household pets. So <laughs> we're on safe territory to start off that relationship. I'm go. hoping Gareth puts the trip on the grapple expenses account, to be honest with you. It's going to be tight for me uh, <laughs> for a while. Not going to lie. Uh, any chance, guys? Yeah, maybe, maybe get back to Bootle. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could we'll just go to Bootle instead and watch... Uh, watch G1 in Bootle would probably be quite handy for you, lads, wouldn't it? Oh, that's it. They, they can't do the summer, the Olympics. Bring it to Bootle, Bootle Stadium. 
Another North Park. B1. Yeah. B1. Tidy <laughs> Iron <laughs> winning every match. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minute matches. Needs to happen, JP. Uh, but yeah, maybe a. Maybe a uh, I've never more. seen a bloke wrestle, but I'd somehow, because of you, <laughs> just inexplicably love him or any any image of Tiny Iron. Like, like, to love one where he's in the thing with Danny Dyer. Have you seen Swole from the New Limit? Uh, from the New Limit? The No Limit Soldiers, JP? Oh, yeah. You've seen his matches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more steroid than man. Very, very true. Um, but yeah, we've uh, we've delayed enough. You've made me all feel very jealous. And uh, let's get to my number four. Let's get her over, lads. Uh, Gareth knows what's coming. It's Jay White, lads. Jay White and Kota Ibushi, the G1 final. Gotta be now, a troll job, this one, ain't it? <laughs> listen, after that, after Wrestle Kingdom weekend, and after that pile of shite that Jay White le- left in the ring those two nights, okay, three star shite, 2.75 star shite, but shite considering the occasion, the event that he's at. Like, I hated Jay White and Kota Ibushi on that night, too. I could see that there was solid enough wrestling happening in front of me, but it didn't matter. It was a stupid runner-up match. Didn't need it on the card. I was ready to go back to bed at that point. And honestly, I think I tweeted it at the time, and I said it on our podcast. I was feeling like, I hated this so much. I feel like I'm going to pull. And I knew Jay White and Kota Ibushi from the G1 final was in consideration for my top 10. It almost made me pull it, or at least put it further back. But honestly, rewatched it this weekend, and I still love it. I still think it's a great match. And I'm going to try and articulate the difference for me uh, of that, as opposed to, you know, the, the match we saw last weekend. And the biggest difference is that it, it had stakes, obviously, being the G1 final. But I just think this was the night... You know, I said earlier, you know, Kofi Kingston is never going to have a better match than that WrestleMania match with Brian Danielson. And I genuinely, I, I would probably admit, I don't think Jake White's going to have a match this good again. Um, you know, and and I still agree. I gave it four and a half stars. I've gone much higher on G1 finals in the past. Uh, I don't think it's one of the greatest G1 finals of all time. But I do think it was a very, very good match. I think the the limb work from Jay White was as good as, as he's done in a match. I think... The heel stuff that doesn't work for me in a lot of occasions with Jay White on this night it worked. I think it's because both there was he was in there with the babyface and Kota Ibushi who who can make that work, who you know can overcome that limb work, can overcome you know I hate the interference and all the nonsense in Jay White matches, but I think the limb work and the you know the Gado being involved and they didn't do a huge amount of interference but the bullshit it kind of all piled together as just this way of making Kota more of a, a sympathetic babyface and I think because of the occasion because people wanted Kota Ibushi to win the G1 final so much and you can say it's because no one in the in the right mind wanted Jay White to win the thing either it just worked for me and I think a lot of it's the Ibushi factor we talked over Wrestle Kingdom weekend for this year that you know I'm bored of the Okada structure you plug Kota Ibushi into that structure and it livens it up immediately I don't love Jay White's structure the majority of the time but you plugged Kota Ibushi into it and it just worked for me again I don't think Jay's ever going to be this good again I don't think he's going to feature in the top 10 next year unless a miracle happens or we get a different Jay White but yeah I just think it it worked as a final loved it at the time rewatched it expecting to for it to maybe even fall out to my honourable mentions or at least to you know 8, 9 or 10 but no it's this high on the list and sorry Joe I stand by 
Ah, uh, just the, the thought of Jay White just makes me angry. <laughs> like, I'm so invested in New Japan. Like, think about the uh, the passion and the vigor I spoke about those matches that I loved with, and then you've just got this <laughs> hollow character with no real narrative. It just plugged into there, and this would have been a mega Ibushi. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it would have been a mega Ibushi, and we got Jay White. And, <laughs> and Kenny's booking. And I stand by. I stand. Yeah, I stand. Stand by my point last week. For me, he's a bar, He's the Baron Corbin in New Japan. Absolute apathy, and I just sigh whenever I have to see him, watch him, and I feel like all those people seem to be in WWE crowds when Baron Corbin enters an arena, and you can just see people just look apathetic, bored, and ah, just feel like the guy's completely ingenuine in what he's doing. But hey. Do you want to make this another Jay White round for me? Because there will be plenty <laughs> more coming up over the next year, yeah, I'm sure. Well, um, well I think you and James need to uh, square off again, because I know James is a, a Jay White fan. Sorry, JP. Yeah, I was going to say what... Um, I will say one thing about Jay... There's a c- couple of things about um, Jay White that that we have sort of said before. This is the best of Jay White as far as... Because the only other thing that, that is up there for me is the match he had against Osprey for in Ring of Honor. Um, the one of the like, anniversary show was yeah. great as well. Oh, sorry, the anniversary. The to me, that was Will the... Osprey wrestling a broom. <laughs> Will Ospreay had a similar match with Dan Maloney about he's, a month later. He's not a broom. I... He is he is a perfectly good professional wrestler, but not at the tier that we're kind of talking about. And you, you said it before, the tier one kind of wrestlers, and I completely go with that. I will say, having him in high stakes matches adds an element of danger and like genuine emotion of I don't want to see this guy win, which is kind of compelling in its own way, isn't it? It's like kind of. I don't know. I kind of look at it as like I might look at Arsenal hanging on to a one nil lead. It's horrible. It's kind of terrifying. I don't want to look. You just hope they kind of get through and get it out of the way. But I think he kind of adds that little bit of danger into the mix. So when he went through with the final, I remember your reaction. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were with me, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. And it was like kind of there is this nightmare scenario. It's like I'm invested in this, particularly because... I dislike one of them so much. Then when a bushy wins, there's a kind of euphoric. See, happiness. I'm not invested. I'm bored. But that's, I am so bored during the matches. But that's so not bored. Him the as a character, Wrestle Kingdom. I was so yeah. painfully but, bored. I was sat next to my brother, who hmm. was also bored. But this is the stakes of what the G1 provides. It's not the storylines involving Jay White. The J, the G1 in and of itself adds drama because of the format so you know the idea of the winner of this is going to go through to Wrestle but Kingdom to me, and they're not likely to have them lose the chance to be able to do to it to me you bastardised and sacrificed the G1 to do that and it's not worth it because the G1 is something else and you take away some of the special quality of it by putting a painfully average wrestler who is very poor at playing the character that he's playing into what did the you mix give this match the guys. The time? four and a quarter it's oh, okay. the third best Jay White match I've mm. ever seen but it's not G1 final standard at all. Uh, so I disagree. Obviously, I'm going to disagree. With <laughs> I just get angry when I think about it. <laughs> at least it, it, ruins, it ruins my enjoyment of New Japan. And it's a company 
the main, on the main event level has been so consistent for so long. And I get fed up when I hear guys like Joe Lander saying, if you think Jay White's bad, you can't have an opinion on wrestling. You know what? I've justified you my, a bad wrestler? I've justified my opinions for years on here. And you know what? I think I do all right here. And you know what? Jay White is average. He doesn't. Do, he's not a great wrestler by any means at all. And I think people are often fooling themselves. And I feel like there's this almost like elite opinion that forms based around well, Jay White does the little things really well. Does he? Because what I was watching today was Tanahashi doing little things really well and Akada doing little things in matches really well. Yeah, he's not anywhere close to that level. And it just makes me so angry. I get irrationally angry thinking about <laughs> a wrestler. Like, it's sad. I'm a grown man. What's wrong with me? <laughs> look, look, Joe, at least he didn't win. Imagine that. I think I'd be too scared to put it on my list if he won. Um, but I believe you're going to have to just not do podcasts without me when Jay White is in like big matches because <laughs> I'm just going to become like so unbelievably irrational. However, I, I want to watch Jay off. White matches with you as yeah, a result too. of this. I want to see. I want to be there with you to watch. <laughs> I'm this. not watching Jay White Sonata. Well, oh god, that's coming up. I'm not watching it. In the same way that when I I said to you earlier on the week about those rumours of Jay White to WWE. Oh, so. I was ecstatic. Yeah. It was the best news I got all week. And then I thought, <laughs> would you watch a Jay White-Randy Orton match? That'd no. Be- well, I, mean, I, I want to go the rest of my life if I ever watch a new Randy Orton match. I think I can yeah, do that's, it. Yeah, that's the aim. Like, what Randy Orton match is going to interest me? Randy Orton Riddle is about the only one. And if, and if, if Randy uh, Orton Masashi Takeda. <laughs> um, I'd watch it's, that it's never happening let's no, think realistically yeah, yeah. Riddle, Jimmy Lloyd Riddle, um, no, Riddle could come up against him at some point if Riddle wins I'm watching it if yeah. Riddle's crushing him I'm losing my absolute motherfucking mind yeah. Yeah. we've got more important dream matches coming anyway we've got Jay White and Baron Corbin we've got Jay White and Damian Priest big stuff to come Damien Priest is a better wrestler than Jay White. Jay <laughs> Don't White, Joe, stop it. <laughs> Mate, Damien Priest against Ishii, Damien Priest against Goto, the killer match. Oh, is that when were. he did those Ring of Honor tour yeah. things at the start? The Honor Rising tour. He had I some belting matches in Ring of Honor. Damien Priest <laughs> against um, Will Ospreay. He didn't know where the hard cam was, though. Yeah, but he was doing this balls to the wall performances in like 10 minute sprints that were yeah. thoroughly entertaining. I got more out of them matches than I've ever got out of Jay White in a major <laughs> match. I got That was 10 minutes of my life. I wasted 33 watching Jay White and Naito last week, throwing the entrances in the shit build up package where he's doing shit promos. He's playing a guy that he just isn't, and he's completely unconvincing of playing. And I've wasted 45 minutes of my life on shite. And I've wasted 45 minutes of my life on plenty of shite football match first halves or second halves at points in time. But yeah, oh, just no. Uh, I can feel a complaint coming now, Gareth. <laughs> Sorry, oh. you will be pleased, Joe, to know that. Uh... That match didn't uh, rank any higher up, like with our grapple users. It only came 12th overall, and uh, he only had two other matches in the top 100. The uh, the uh, Osprey with a broom match was 82nd. The uh, wow. the the, the uh, Akada uh, G1 Supercard match that you loved so much just sneaked in there at 96 overall. Wow. So, uh, so you know he, he made the list three okay. times. So uh, 12th's good though. 12th good going. What's the average on grapple? Uh, 4.59. Okay, H- higher than I rated it. You know. <laughs> Throw your hate at, yeah. the, uh, at the grapple races, Joe. It's not my fault. 
Uh, I, you know, it wasn't a bad match by any means. I'm not saying it was, but G1 oh. standard is a is a different thing here, and that's what it didn't live up to. Mate, it's like The Wire. Seasons one to four of The Wire yeah. are just like masterpiece television. Then season yes. five comes along, and you know what? There are parts of season five I still enjoy, but it's not up no. to the standard <laughs> of what we expect from The Wire. Yeah, Bloody serial killers. Two episodes yeah. too short as well. Yeah, they should have done the immigration yeah. season. They were promising. Um, but aside from that, uh, Gareth, what's the... Uh, we've had our Jay White moments. What's our uh, grapple number four for the uh, Grapple 100? Uh, number four on Grapple, <laughs> it's the highest rated uh, G1 match overall. That's uh, Shingo against Ishii oh. from um, day 16. So average mm. grapple rating of 4.69. I don't know if any of uh, any of you have it ranked any higher. No, I don't. So what you guys? No. It was a wonderful Hoss match, um, yeah. but no, oh. it wasn't something I had in there. And I, and again, it's probably stuff that falls through the cracks, isn't it? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I've watched it twice. It's yeah. 22. Like, it's a great match. Yeah, yeah. I rewatched it this weekend as well, yeah, and I kind of fell into the same thing. small margins at this stage, yeah, isn't yeah. it, though, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this was my this was my highest G one match. You know, it was my fourth match overall. I just absolutely just loved that very simple story of you know sort of old man Ishii saying to, well, he's not exactly young man Shingo, but you know, <laughs> not quite as old, saying you know come on come on you know bring it you know show me how hard you are, and you know I think uh, them two just going at it for a solid twenty minutes there, knocking absolute hell out of each other. I think some of them spots there where they were trading the double lariats and the belly to backs I think it was absolutely fantastic I think there was that bit towards the end there where Shingo kicked out of the Larius at one then Ishii kicked out at one as well you know I just thought it was you know, absolutely uh, absolutely first class stuff and for, for me yeah, my, my number one uh, number four match my number one G match overall uh, G1 match overall I thought it was absolutely ace Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, I saw it a lot mm-hmm. of, across a lot of top ten lists um, it, it's been out there and it's one that I felt implored to revisit just seeing where it was, you know, on the Grapple 100s and yeah, obviously hearing Gareth's praise for it. But I think it just says uh, how deep the competition is, doesn't it? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, if, if anybody, uh, you know, any of you two guys are in your top 10 or, you know, I, I, I'm not going to argue and I'm definitely not going to argue with you, like you say, Gareth, you having it so high yourself. Uh, you are. Uh, oh, it's got very polite this podcast all of a sudden. Uh, Too polite. It's been positive, that's why. Well, Fucking crept in, isn't it? Like a virus. <laughs> well, we're getting all like, the other bosses telling us what to do here. Uh, but yeah, yeah exactly. we're, we're back into the, uh, I suppose, the, the normal order of things, and we're, we're up to our, our top three. Um, so it should just mm-hmm. be bangers from here on out. Uh, JP, do you want to lead us into the top three? What's uh, your number three match for 2018? Uh, number three, it's a match that um, Joe's already talked about. And again, I think it's a, it, it, an incredible match, Okada versus Osprey. Um, for me, again, it's this Osprey-Okada feud and the way that it is building up and developing, because I was absolutely convinced that Osprey was going to win this match. It felt like this was going to be the kind of moment. And it's one of the things New Japan do very well is they pull that football away just as soon as you think it's, you know, you're going to be able to kick it. They, they make you wait and they make you wait. And Joe's already said it, that point where you're going to be, you know, when he wins, it's going to be an enormous moment. It's going to be absolute substance as well. And clearly, Okada has all the time in the world for Osprey, and Osprey has got just nothing but gratitude for Okada. So these two are absolutely willing to take each other to the limit. And of the matches they've 
had obviously cleared. This is the best of them. I think the match they'd had before that would have been in the uh, anniversary show, wouldn't it? They had two matches. They had one in the New Japan Cup. That's no, right. Four. They've had four. They had uh, the New Japan Cup one. They had the anniversary of the year before, yep. so 2018. And they had the Rev Pro one. The Rev Pro which one. Which got sign. Yep, exactly. And each time, it's kind of building itself up. So when it gets to the point of there being another one, I can see there being another G1 match um, this year. Oh, it would sure. be... Yeah, that would be something if they went if they did go over to the copper box and they had that as on on G one night one. Uh, that would be incredible. Yeah, that was my my number three. How about you, Joe? Uh, number three, I've gone for Jordan Devlin versus David Starr from the OTT. Was it the fifth anniversary? Fifth show? anniversary show. Yeah, fifth anniversary show. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this, you guys are going to mention this one coming up yep, as well. Okay, uh, JP, do you want to say where yours is? I've got it as my number two. Should we should we try and discuss this one together? Yeah. Well, I've, got it, as, well, I've got it as my number three as well as you, Joe. So <laughs> probably ah, yeah, time, time. Then you'll get my number two out of the way as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go on, Joe. The match we've all watched literally tonight. Yes. Yeah, this is the third time I've watched this one. So it's the match mm-hmm. I think I've seen the most of any this year, actually, because I think I watched it with you, JP. Mm-hmm. I think I watched my brother as well. Um, yeah, just an outstanding match. Mm-hmm. Just a, We really struggled to watch it before we were recording, weren't we? It had just come out, yeah. and we were just able to see it, and then we recorded our review of it as well. Yeah, yeah, at the time, yeah. And for me, it's great because it's a brawl, but it's an athletic brawl. Yeah. <laughs> and they do spots that they do in any match, but there's an extra bit of hate, an extra bit of talk. There's an extra bit of spice on the end of each of those moves that you'll see them do in every single match. And for me, it's the pace. It's the heat in the arena. It's the character dynamic. It's the uh, commentary that kind of drives this one along, gives it a unique, different style of atmosphere that you used to see for any indie now. Reminded me of the glory days of the indies and Ring of Honor when they could stir up an insane atmosphere on an independent level and you'd get a match of substance and quality that would resonate in a match of the year list between two world-class wrestlers. And that's exactly what this is. What a story this is. Mm. And what a storyteller David Starr is. And what a wrestler Jordan Devlin is. Both guys adapted completely. David Starr has a lot of death matches. Don't know why he's wasting his time doing those. Uh, (laughs) But Jordan Devlin isn't a guy that we used to see in do this sort of thing and my god was he good at it. Uh, Just what an absolutely insane match. Over to you guys. You take the floor completely go uh, agree with you i think it's it's kind of the high watermark as the overall package of the feud of the three and benno you're mm. probably best in a position to talk about where the three are it seems to be the perfect combination of the sean ryan video at the start the kind of entrance that star does where they think he's coming out as devlin um uh, and then at the same time, you've kind of got the, the brawl that ensues, the kind of sheer visceral hate. The way the crowd is torn when watching it, seeing people like entirely reaction, but the complete and utter levels of investment within mm. this is it makes it spectacular. And there is a rough around the edges element to it, but I absolutely love this. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the culmination of what is really since what Osprey Havoc in terms of the best storyline involving I mean this, I mean, this is better yeah, oh, this is, away, yeah. yeah 
a more complex, but certainly the most substantial storyline since then. And it's still going on. Yeah. And it's not something that's ever likely to end. And this is with people getting signed and moving away. It's always going to be something that still lingers around. Um, but everyone involved in this feud who has been involved, in it, and that's including people like Niall Fox and the commentators as well, everyone has benefited from this entire storyline as well. It's been one of the kind of shining lights. And it's always an example to any of the other promoters who say, well, we've had people signed away. We're not able to do X, Y, and Z. This is what happens if you really put your mind to it and you start to really think about how you're going to put a serious story together with serious characters. Can I just ask a question? Who's Niall Fox? He's the referee. Oh, Foxy. 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 I'm thinking of Jonathan Neil Fox. <laughs> Fox. Neil Fox. <laughs> Do like the top 40. Really? Yeah. Are you mad? Stars and all that. I was like, what? Last uh, time I saw him was on Brassai comparing Peter Falls to crabs. <laughs> I think he was a, a, a new tree knock on his door as well. Did I think he? he was like, I think he was found innocent, but yeah, I think he was involved. <laughs> Sorry, I've never heard him referred to as Niall Fox. <laughs> <laughs> JP would know though, wouldn't he? If anyone knew his full name, it was always going to be JP. Yeah. Or on Niall Fox. He's a great, he's a great man. Yeah, <laughs> commentators as well, Angus McNally you know and, and Waterford's finest uh, uh, Tony Kelly as mm-hmm. well. So, like, all of these things add to the experience, and it's yeah. that crowd. And we've all spoken about, you know, wanting to go over there. We were speaking about it before we were recording yeah. the show. It's it's made like, and this this whole storyline has kind of made going to kind yeah. of those big event shows at the National Stadium really seem like a big event. Oh, definitely, and like. You know, for me, you know, you mentioned the commentary there. The commentary was a something for me. The first time I watched it, I wasn't sure how to take the commentary. I know a lot of the Irish were kind of didn't take it great because you know there is they're very heavy handed with the you know these crowds. This crowd is now incels kind of uh, line of thinking, which might be to be honest a bit heavy handed if you know if the story is supposed to be subtle and Star is going to turn out to be the the bad guy all along. Uh, come next year, and I know yeah, you've got some thoughts on that as well, Gareth. Like I, I, maybe it was a bit much, but. I'll be honest, today was the third time I've, I've rewatched this match. First time I watched it, I gave it 4.5. And I felt like, I don't know, I felt like I was giving it two stars with you guys. I think you usually went 4.75, both of you did. Uh, did either of you go five on it? Nah, it's 4.75. 4.75, yeah, There's yeah. There's a tiny portion in the middle of the match. And I know it's, you know, being yeah. in a perfectionist. But there's this little bit that's a bit overbooked that takes away from it for me. Yeah, I mean, that's kicking in the bollocks stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that stuff didn't really bother me too much. Um, and I wasn't rating it down, but I'll be honest, second time I watched it, I think I have, and I would like to if Gareth will give me permission, bump it up to 4.75. <laughs> we watched it again together to, tonight and reaffirm that position, really. Like, I I would highly recommend anybody listening to this, if you haven't rewatched these OTT matches, watch them as a set. Like, the, this evening, it mm. felt like, like, you know, like you said earlier, Joe, rewatching these matches has been fun, but it's also where, you know, there's a lot of matches that I've rewatched that haven't landed in my top 10, and it's a lot of content to get through, especially on a weekend where we all have to sit through Joe Coffee in a main event on NXT UK TakeOver. But yeah. rewatching these three matches tonight, it felt like watching a 90-minute film or, you know, a two-hour film, you know, once you uh, once you throw the videos in there before and the, uh, the aftermath of the matches as well. And yeah, I think you both hit nail on the head. It was the culmination of this story. And again, I've I've shuffled these three OTT matches around in my head a number of times now. But I think I'm I'm happy to say after today that no, I think I'm agreeing with consensus. This is you know the pinnacle uh, of the feud. It's just you know David Starr 
controlling that crowd in ways we haven't seen in years. And it's Jordan Devlin playing his role as, you know, I described him to, to Gareth here. If, it, if Jordan Devlin doesn't come back as a 1996 crow sting <laughs> where he's fuming, that WCW turned on him and thought that the fake NWO sting was him. If Devlin doesn't come back, like, fine, I'll save these, you fuckers, but you aren't the same to me anymore. It'll be a real, real lost opportunity. But, yeah, you were saying earlier, guys, weren't you? Like, the, this David Starr run, and this is the pinnacle of the David Starr run, and I completely agree. Like, when was the last time we saw something this good on the Indies? You've got to go back to CM Punk. Yeah, you know, you're just look, looking at that and you're just watching it again and you're just seeing how electric that crowd is and you're just, like, every time I watch it and I've watched this match back a few times now, it's just wishing, you know, that I could just go back in time and buy a ticket to get myself along there because it's just absolutely red hot. And at the end of the day, it's what what sort of makes the match. It probably sticks another, you know, half a star on the match or something yeah. like that, an extra star on the match, you know, the, the way the crowd is. If, that, if, if if the crowd hadn't been so rabid, so into it, then there's, you know, it certainly would have taken the edge off it. You know, it's all, everyone came together to to, to play the part, as, a, as JP said before, really. And, um, you know, I think it was just that sort of perfect mix of, like, the character, the story, the in-ring in work all coming together, really, and just, you know, producing something that's magic. Yeah, definitely. Can I just say as well, the matches in my top 10 list, this is the one that is the most unique um, mm. because of the style, because of how rough it is, because it's like this weird athletic brawl. That's something that I, I don't think I've ever really seen before in terms of how they execute a brawl. And one thing to note as well, that boxing spot, yeah. after watching that Tyler Bate Devlin match yesterday, which was good in its own right, I gave that boxing spot some criticism for how they just threw it into this random match. Oh my God, in this, there's so much more resonance yeah. in this. There's yeah, so much does. more substance to it in this. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was. It was. And yeah, it's, it's pro wrestling done perfectly, really. And if, if anyone, again, another one, I think we're going to say this about our, for all of our final threes, but if any of us have gone number one, uh, I think it would be absolutely fair. Um, yeah. But, you know, for you, Gareth, uh, not not for you, even for Grapple in general. What was the uh, what was the number three for Grapple? Well, I mean, I should probably say the number two, really. And the, <laughs> the, the number two was uh, Devlin against uh, David Starr. There, you know, you've obviously You're talked in the about the Grapple users, JP. You know, very much, yeah. uh, you know, very much up there. I think number three, <laughs> just just slightly behind it, it's the uh, Kenny Omega Tanahashi match from from Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, you know, going like right all the way back to the year. You know, I think some people kind of forget about that i think when i rewatched it this weekend it felt like a long time ago really when you're looking looking mm. back at that one and you know but it's it stood the test of time there it was you know early days of grapple you know one of the uh, first weekends there first big weekends that we had and it ended up with like over 900 people rating that match you know and for it to sit there with a, a 4.2 sorry 4.72 rating out of wow. over 900 people you know over that that amount of time you know it's absolutely a testament really to, to how good it is on it mm. does this tie into your number two joe or do you want me to go first um, up to you, mate. Up to you. You're the host, so you, you know you decide. <laughs> okay, well, I'll I'll go just in case it doesn't for you. It, it is my number two, JP. We've had your number two, Devlin Star. Yeah, so yeah. we're throwing the format in the air at this point, lads. Uh, it's going to happen, isn't it? We're going to be stepping on each other with these uh, these top matches. Uh, yeah, Omega Tanahashi. I did wonder whether it was going to fall out of favor for me. Um, you know, I gave you some grief earlier in the show, JP, but yeah. I did wonder, you know, where this was going to land on my list. Of, you know, all things said and done. 
I am not a Kenny Omega fan at the moment. Uh, and I do think part of that, you know, I agree with you earlier, JP, when you were saying that you can... Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I haven't seen that uh, interview with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega where they're talking about mm. this night and how unhappy they were. I couldn't help but see it on Kenny Omega's face when he came out um, and in moments in the match as well. But I can still put that aside. And I can still say, you know, that's a... To be honest, that's a minor factor because for me, it still worked um, as a second time watching. Like Garrett said, you know, where it does feel like ancient at this point considering we've gone through another Wrestle Kingdom. They don't uh, think about us raters, do they? Our, our year-end lists when they throw Wrestle Kingdom on the 4th of January. Uh, it does create, uh, does create some problems. But yeah, you know, the whole old versus new story you know the the old style of Tanahashi and the new school style of Kenny Omega I don't remember how much that resonated for me at the time but I really did feel it in rewatching it this time out the commentary really drives at home uh, I actually don't think the commentary was particularly great I don't know if that's contrary to what you were saying JP but uh, I, I, I think it reminded me how much I enjoy Rocky Romero in the booth this year and I used to love Don Carlos but I'm kind of glad he's gone. Um, it's quite jarring, isn't it? Yeah. And to be honest, you know, it's not a popular opinion in the internet Twitter circles, but Chris Charlton was too heavy-handed in the booth in this match for me. Uh, I think he's much better as the third man who just fills in with facts and doesn't try and sell the drama of the match. I just don't think that's a good role for him. So I'm kind of glad that he stepped back a little bit this year too. But again, the match itself, you know, it's one of those matches where, you know, I, I, I often talk about wrestler matches and think, I think people often get fooled by the last five minutes of a match, and that's what most of people's ratings come on. But I just think the bulk of this match is great. I think that the entire story throughout the match is great. But again, that whole old versus new thing, and you know, you can simplify it down to you know Tanahashi trying and failing a, a stupid moment where he tries to do a table bump um, and it goes against him. You could boil it down to that because that, in in a, in a nutshell, does kind of tell you the story of the match. It's Tanahashi trying to keep up with these new school tactics of uh, Kenny Omega, but it's when they do it again later in the match when I think Omega does hit a reverse runner at some point on Tanahashi, and it's almost like that, that puts the idea in Tanahashi's head because later on, when Kenny Omega tries to go for the long way angel, Tanahashi hits one of his own, and it's not pretty. But you don't want it to be pretty when it's it's uh, Tanahashi hitting a, a reverse Hurricane Rana in desperation in that moment. And again, I think that sold what the uh, the story of the match too was too. And you know, I can remember you know at the time I went four point seven five, and uh, Gareth on uh, Twitter called me a coward. And I remember saying <laughs> it's that fluff Rana. It knocked off the point two, the two by four. And honestly, watching it back, I had uh, that exact conversation we had pop back in my head again. It's like, oh yeah. That is maybe a slight imperfection with the match. The finishing stretch does suffer a little bit for it because they have to go for a, you know, Tana has to cover with a sling blade and then it's high fly flow and it's over and Kenny Omega gets his face back on. But the match is so good that, you know, I don't care. Absolutely love the thing. Could have even made an argument for number one. Uh, and I'm really glad on rewatch that, that I did enjoy it as much as I did. Mate, there's beauty and imperfection. Mm. That's the way I've always looked at looked at the world. Uh, that's what VAR doesn't understand. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I hate VAR. We're never going to get a hand of God again, no. which is you know, gutting. as human beings, we can't accept that these things are meant to be somewhat imperfect. And yeah. if we just accepted them, we'd find more joy. In Imagine them. Maradona without the hand of God. That's what I say. Um, yeah. 
And I loved that botched Rana of a time. I thought it added to sort of the desperation, the story, the narrative of what this was on the night, who Tanahashi was and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, you've kind of done the job for me there, Ben, in your description of the match. What I'll say for it as well is it felt big. It felt major. It felt like one of those matches that you'll only get at a show like a Wrestle Kingdom. But I also remember a sense of sadness afterwards as well because I love the moment Tanahashi but it felt like that was it for Omega I remember thinking shit I don't know if he's coming back here because mm. of the way it was sold because of the fact the Elite lost so there's kind of a bittersweet element to this match as well because yeah I'm, I'm gutted that Kenny Omega is in one match in the 95 matches that I've put on this list because he dominates <laughs> sort of my match of a decade and he's dominated uh, my lists over the years and he's one of my favourite wrestlers of all time got a lot of criticism this year rightly so in many ways for how he's booked himself mm-hmm. and how he's not booked himself strong in AEW and how he's kind of killed some of his aura in many ways and I sort of feel like the, him and the Bucks are on a hangover from the rejection they received in New Japan in a way. And if this is the last great Kenny Omega match we ever get, that's really sad. <laughs> um, mm. But it doesn't take away from the fact that this was an amazing match. And, you know, it was a... Uh, not the exit I wanted for Kenny Omega, but he went out with a bang still, I suppose. Yeah. Is, is that, a good luck bang. Yeah. You say, is, that, is it your number two, Joe? It's my number two. Good lad. Well, I think one of the things you didn't touch on there as well, though, for me was, I mean, you you referenced sort of the state of mind they were in, but I think one of the things that really jumped out to me was the like the aggression in Kenny Omega in this in in this match, and he just, mm. I think, compared to what we've seen obviously in AEW, whether it's t- you know TV matches or him just doing his little comedy shtick and things like that and light-hearted things, but I just watching this, he, he looked like a different man altogether. He just like looked so aggressive mm. in the things that he was doing and like the utter contempt he seemed to have for like Tanahashi when he's slapping him in the face and he's you know um you know laughing when he drops him on the table and things i think it just really made you like want tanashi to to win even more really and you know Mm. i think again whether that was something from a real state of mind or he maybe was just you know on the night he was just being a bit more aggressive and things like that i think Mm. it really brought something out of the match and i've certainly not seen that in AEW at all it's like a fuck you to the fans and to tanahashi and just uh he's playing that role in the story isn't he of of that kind of i think i watched the promo videos before the match and he's saying in the promo video you know that you know if the fans don't like it then whatever and he is pretty much he he becomes the heel he becomes maybe the uh, the monster that he that he had to be to, to sell the story yeah i'd love to see more of that kind Omega and AW. That was one of his complaints, believe it or not. Well, when he was complaining, when they were doing to a man in the interview, he was saying he needs to um, get out his own way, JP. Exactly. <laughs> he, say? he was saying about how he didn't like, he wanted it to be much more 50 50. He didn't oh, want to be off. sort of overly playing <laughs> the hill. I think, yeah, I know. This is the kind of point of view I've come to where somebody needs to yeah, I know you want to do all this wacky shit. This is the stuff that was great and making yeah. him sort of his new Japan run from 2016 onwards and just go, look, save the daft shit for behind closed doors, all right? The, let's do some proper grown-up fucking wrestling and do that. And it's like the kind of, uh, almost the attitude they have at the moment, there's a kind of element of petulance about them when it comes to yeah, new it's Japan. A spoiled Feeling like they've been somehow massively wrong. Well, especially and, the books. Yeah. 
Well, it's not like they, they had to live in a full metal jacket boot camp, is it? You know, <laughs> Jesus, they were employed and paid well for what they did. They didn't receive beatings on the way out. So <laughs> get your fucking shit together. Uh, maybe they should have, JP. Maybe they should have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that brings us to to number one. And if I'm not mistaken, I think there might be a there might be a consensus here, lads. Let's just say, like, let's not do the description, but let's do it. Like, we're number one in a way, JP. What's your number one? Well, it's well, Joe Coffey, Pete Dunn. <laughs> uh, um, well, should we all try and do it at the same time? No, go on. Start, <laughs> start, off with the, start off with the obvious kind of British wrestler <laughs> at the start of it. No? Sounds cringe. Yeah, it sounds terrible, JP. <laughs> oh, for fuck off. Oh, fuck off. It's Shingo Osprey, okay? It's Shingo Osprey. Shingo Osprey, yeah. Jay, Joe Shingo Osprey? Yeah, yeah. yeah Gareth yeah. Grapple number one. Absolutely. Shingo Osprey. Wow, we didn't plan that. No. I'm actually surprised, to be honest, because like, I did have a little bit of doubt just from talking to you, like, earlier, Gareth, in that, like, the, you know, the it is probably the most athletically impressive match on the list. Um, I don't know if emotionally quite connected with me as much as the others, but I couldn't ignore putting it number one because it is just so athletically that good. Uh, I don't know. Who wants to go first? Joe, you go first. We, uh, we, we jumped the queue on the last one. Why is Shingo Osprey everybody's number one, including Grapple? Oh, because it's by far one of the best matches I think I've ever seen. Uh, and it's the best. Will Osprey has just a litany of ridiculous matches. I was reading in this week's Observer that he's got like the most four star matches from the year. He's like high up on the all time list already. Mm. And he's been wrestling what? Well, he's been wrestling matches that Dave Meltzer would have seen for, what, five years, four years, Mm. something like that, right? For me, this is his absolute best match. This is Mm. like the pinnacle of his career so far. This proves why he is the best wrestler in the world, and it sort of tops off why and confirms why him and Shingo are my one and two for the year. And again, it's a really, really, really simple story. What this is as well is it's organic, it's free-flowing. Yeah. It feels completely natural. Every move matters. Every sequence made complete sense, and it felt like every movement in the match mattered in the overall kind of outcome of the match it felt to me as well like it was the match that made osprey as a guy in new japan because this is the match that gave him the credibility going into the g1 and i think they knew that and that's why they played off shingo being heavier and slightly bigger than all of the junior guys and had him go unbeaten throughout because the match becomes in many ways about power versus speed and it's a great psychological approach that they employed like it's it's intense it's so fast paced like i can't believe the pace they wrestle mm. this out isn't this yeah. like 34 minutes and the pace doesn't let up at all the conditioning and the shape these guys must be in to go at this pace for 34 mm. minutes on a different level to anyone else out there if they can do this. Honestly, what I love as well is I've, we complained recently about rehearsed matches and about matches where stuff feels patterned. Nothing in this was patterned. It was unpredictable. 
but everything that came from that unpredictability made complete sense. It was one of the one of the most free flowing, organic, authentic matches that I've ever seen, and the chemistry that these guys instantly had as soon as they locked up was just amazing. I absolutely love this match. It was on a completely different level to anything I've ever seen. What I'll say as well, I know I'm going on a bit here, it was just the little things around speed and innovation. It was uh, the fact that Shingo did a dive to the outside because he realised that he had to bring out something different in this match to get through this match because Osprey was his equal. Mm. And at this point, Shingo, as a, re- as a wrestler in kayfabe terms, had not met his equal mm. because he'd been dominating that juniors division and slaying guys. It was so fucking good. Um, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss to describe anything else that I can say about just how good this was. But <laughs> tell you what, some of the reversal sequences in this oh, as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was losing. I would watch this after match of a day <laughs> on a Saturday night. And I was I was Saints were first on. Great win against Leicester. Yeah. Avenger that 9-0 to some degree. And my God, was I on a high. And this put me on an even, <laughs> even higher high, let's say. God, it was good. Yeah, it's just like you say; those exchanges are so good. There is no like from an athletics point of view, just as like two world class athletes and well, you know, Premier League level, Champions League level. Like this is the pinnacle as far as like athletic wrestling goes. And obviously, you know the those who follow Dragon Gate have known Shingo's got got this and he can work with an Osprey and, and have a match this good in his lockup or yeah he's you know for for those who weren't following Dragon Gate so clo- closely like this was just you know talk about breakouters not even breakouters being known just being breaking out as being you know one of the best wrestlers in the world quite obviously at this point and mm-hmm. um, yeah it was like for me I think the best way I can describe it JP like, I felt like it was like re-watching it I was like this feels like you know, a typical New Japan heavyweight main event in some ways in structure, but it's got all of the exciting aspects of a junior match. All of those first-class exchanges that Joe talked about, all of that first-class athletics that, you know, I just mentioned there. And, it, you know, it's a shootout of two of the best in the world trying to win a match. And it goes back to the point you made earlier, JP, about, you know, sometimes all you need for stakes in a match is a tournament. You don't need the blood feud all the yeah. time. You know, if you can make it make it matter in the way this mattered, because these were the two MVPs of that tournament, and two yeah. of the, probably you know Osprey definitely and Shingo is in the conversation for MVP of New Japan this year, and it just it gave them a blank canvas to work on, and yeah, I, honestly, almost perfect. I, I'm guessing you two went five stars, and I went four point seven five. Uh, Coward! Yeah, yeah. I could have, I could <laughs> easily go five. I could easily this... uh, go five on this one. When re when rewatching it, it was like it kind of cemented the idea of five stars because for me it just felt kind of perfect. Yeah, it felt it was like a lot of the things you've already said. It's like the kind of congruence of all of these different factors that kind of make this match as good as it is. The story around it, the two different strands, like so you know Shingo dominating his block, Osprey kind of having to struggle to get through to there in the end, and he's already wrestled in the New Japan Cup as well. So they're kind of playing into that. And I can remember at the time we were talking about this. The general consensus was, well, Shingo wins it because he'll win it and then move up to the to the kind of heavyweight division when he was going to dominate the juniors. Mm-hmm. In essence, it was going to lead to a kind of era of Shingo. And it's not what happened. And in some ways, you look back on it now, 
And this is about setting up Osprey as a future headliner as much as anything else. It's realising, actually, this is the kind of longer-term plan to kind of put him very much into those kind of history books. Like in the same way they give Okada those kind of records to kind of cement about this person is really important to the history. And, yeah, this is the high watermark. I think what's also kind of scary is Osprey can do better than this. I, mean, I don't think I've got necessarily in a down. That sounds like a like a, a a poor statement to make. It's how high you can go. It's it oh. really is. The bar is you know to the. It's, it's like Ronaldo at Man United yeah. when he had those forty goal seasons and basically won them leagues in two thousand. Yeah. Was it two thousand eight and nine single handedly? Mm-hmm. It feels like he's at that stage. Yeah. And he can go to Ronaldo or Real Madrid sort yeah. of standard. That's how, that's the sky is the like limit kind of bloke. the kind of all time great stuff, particularly when he comes into the ring. One of the things I remember Joe had watched rewatched it before I had rewatched it, and one of the things Joe says is just about the absolute pace of it. Yeah, God, it flies. At the minute, there's a twenty minute call, and what feels like a minute later, it's like twenty five minutes. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, Jesus Christ, where'd it's, that come it's from? It's like a thirty four minute sprint. It is. I swear to God, the slowest part of the match is what opening sort of seven eight minutes and it's this is not like what we would be complaining about a sonata a card or other kind of what we think of now as the forced epics um it doesn't have any of that to it and because it's in a major arena in sumo hall it does feel really big and and really great yeah it for me when re-watching it this one felt like a very it felt like a very clear number one match of the year how clear was it on grapple, uh, Gareth? Yeah, I mean, in the end, um, it ended up with 4.87 average rating. Wow. 630 ratings. So Shit, yeah. I'm below the average. Yeah, right. yes. I'm going to fix that. Everyone, I'm fixing it. I'm putting five stars. And I'm going to do it now live, Gareth. It's a first better. It is a f- No, I think I think I gave one, uh, Omega Invisible Okada. Stan, Invisible Man. Yeah, there's that too. But I've given the two, two of the Omega Okadas five stars as well. So I'm not yeah. that much of a coward. I mean, from a, a ratings point of view as well, I remember doing like a graphic at the time and, you know, I think throughout this this whole tournament, uh, when somebody took Osprey on, generally they, you know, their their star rating for that match went up by a star. So, you know, kind of yeah. not quite broom level, but what you were saying before, uh, Joe, about, <laughs> you know, Osprey dragging the best out of people. It was kind of the same with Shingo. It wasn't quite the same level as Osprey, but when someone yeah. took Shingo on as well, their star rating went up by nearly a, a full star. And then wow. I think that was something that when I was re-watching this early today, I think it just kind of, it just really showed really that they were both just pushing each other on and there was suddenly it was like the best of the best against each other kind of thing and it really just, mm-hmm. you know, kicked each other on to, to another level and, you know, ultimately it was just absolutely fantastic, clearly, you know, everyone's number one. How many people rated it? It was 6.30. Fair enough. I mean, that's a high average considering that many people. Uh, yeah. And I could easily have been taken down as well. I do I do remember, Gareth, when we were at um, Tetsujin and you were speaking to a uh, star in Devlin and it seemed likely that their, <laughs> their match was going to uh, be the number one on Grapple. Was it like a late fight uh, that it took over? Or? Yeah, it was, it was It was real close. And I can remember with the star Devlin, like at first when that one came out, literally, I think everybody in the building gave it a five and there was this sort of like run of just pure fives coming out. I think when it hit the uh, VOD, then he started to get slightly lesser ratings come through which you'd expect because you know if you're in that crowd you're going to be absolutely mm. you know coming out of there you know thinking five stars all the way for 
for Devil and Star. But yeah, it's been a it's slightly been going backwards, and um, you know, Osprey uh, Shingo's held up there. But yeah, at the end of the day, you look at the ratings there, and it's four point eight one versus four point eight seven. You know, you're literally talking, <laughs> yeah, you know, accent, you know ears, absolutely, you? absolutely. So there's there's nothing nothing between them there. To you know, two absolutely fantastic matches, obviously. Definitely. Yeah. Anything more on that one, lads? Is there anything more to say? Like, yeah. Wrestling perfection. I think that sums it up, doesn't it? Exactly. It makes you wonder. I mean, you know, Joe mentioned about Osprey with a broom. Imagine him with a fucked up Kerry, Kerry Von Erich. He'd do a fucking <laughs> awesome job. He could take the reanimated corpse of Kerry Von Erich and probably take it to four stars quite comfortably. And that's with him fucking forgetting he's got hasn't got a foot and all sorts. I'll spray tiny iron. <laughs> <laughs> that oh. should be the challenge. Janela should book I'll spray Sabu. Oh. We, I, think, I, I think to be honest, we need to run that grapple show at a, a Bootle Leisure Centre and and book that Sabu Osprey. Come on, Gareth, get, get the money out. <laughs> we'll sort that out. There's a few things coming up on the old expenses account, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, so, what, what money, Ben? We still got on your contract, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just uh, to go yeah. back to Osprey as well. On, on my uh, list of ninety-five from uh, 2019, basically every match I rated four and a quarter or more, I put on a list. Mm. Um, and Osprey is by far and away the person who has the most matches on the list. Mm. I've not counted him, but his name is there constantly, and it's just it's just ridiculous how often he pops up on there. Uh, yeah, the man's on a completely different planet to anyone else. He's the if, for the Watchman fans out there, he's the Doctor Manhattan of wrestling. <laughs> I think uh, Gareth's got something on that, haven't you, Gareth? Yeah, I mean, and Conover's emotionally blank at points as well. <laughs> yeah, so, I think that's, I think that's unfair because that's... I think his rawness is part of his character and the Shingo match is where that shines through and Manhattan views things in an entirely different way to everybody else doesn't he Sure. <laughs> Sorry, Gareth. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, just obviously, I was just looking at things and breaking things down and looking at who was on the list and you know, so of um, you know of the of the matches that are in there, like Osprey's in nineteen of the of, of the top one hundred. So basically, like one in five matches in the in the top one hundred, oh. Osprey's in it, which is just absolutely insane. And and that's you know. Three of them are his tag matches. You know, if you if you split things out and you know you look purely at singles, then like sixteen, you know, sixteen of the eighty odd matches that are in there that are singles matches is in. So absolutely phenomenal year. And then you look at the people behind him. You've got like Star Miyahara, Ibushi are all on nine. Um, you've got Walter and Nakada both on eight. You know, so you know you're looking at um, Osprey having like double the amount of uh, matches in the in the top one hundred that like essentially all of those guys have got really which is absolutely uh, absolutely Jesus. incredible yeah just says everything doesn't it about his year mm. uh, who else I mean we'll go through some honorary mentions maybe in a minute but are there any other any other standout stats from the from the, the year on Grapple Gareth that uh, you could uh, fill us in on um, I mean, I thought it was interesting that the, the greatest wrestler alive, uh, Seth Rollins, um, while Osprey's in there 19 times, uh, Rollins has just snuck in there at number 99, so he's represented as many times <laughs> as the Invisible Man and the Invisible Stan on the list. So, wow. He's uh, a uh, great, uh, great year for Seth there. Bryce uh, Remsburg, Seth Rollins. <laughs> um, I thought it was... Uh, so into Bryce Remsburg. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I thought was uh, that was quite interesting and, and, and stood out really was uh, just looking and there's been like obviously an, an absence of women's matches in, in your top 10s yeah and, I was thinking the and, same and, and, and li- literally just one women's match breaks into the breaks into the top 100 overall and it's it's that um, war games match um, from, oh, it's on my own from a you know a couple mm. of 
just at back end of November there, but again, that only just sneaks in at number 97 there. So um, again, I thought there, there may have been a, a, a few more which, uh, which which broke onto the list from, from that point of view, but um, yeah, clearly not. Um, just another one there, it was just a couple of sort of like mentions looking at the list as well. I mean, you brought it up, Joe, about Suzuki being 51 there. I was looking, Eugene Nagata sneaked in there at age 50, Dustin Rhodes at 50, Jericho's on there at 48. So there's, you know, uh-huh. there's still quite good representation there from a, a few guys at the at the older end there. And again, just kind of to your point really a bit earlier about the, the number of high quality matches there. When, when you look at a hundred, over the 100 matches, 30 of them have got an average rating of 4.5 or higher so you know you're essentially looking at 30 matches there that are within a hair's breadth have been you know perfection in the eyes of you know hundreds I was going to say hundreds of people rating and you know there's actually a quarter of a million ratings have gone into the app this year alone you know so wow. to see a you know to see see from that many ratings that many matches been scored so high it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous really isn't it good year for grapple Indeed. good year to be in the star <laughs> yeah. rating business absolutely a cage match for coming for you <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say there's just a couple of other things as well like if um, just from a promotion standpoint as well something that jumped out like when I again broke the broke the 100 matches out so of, of the 144 were from New Japan so I think it just sort of really emphasises that dominance that they've got in the, in the world these days when it comes to match quality you know obviously you've got your long tournaments like your your super juniors and your g1 and things contributing to that but interestingly a second on the list was all japan so 13 of the 100 came from all japan which you know for me was just that big flag of yeah there's a lot of those that are miyahara matches but there's probably a lot of people out there well i know there's a lot of people out there who aren't watching as much all japan based on the numbers that we get in there but again maybe that's something you know, people should be doing in 2020 is if they're looking for an alternative, looking something, looking for something a bit different. I have to admit, it's what got me started back in it is seeing some of the ratings and hearing some of the stuff about these all Japan matches and thinking, actually, this is stuff I need to pay attention to. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. if, I just, if I just put your uh, BWE hats uh, back on again, uh, which um, which promotion from Europe would you say had the most matches in the top 100? Go ahead, Joe GP. I think I know the answer. I oh, think I've seen OTT. it over OTT, Joe. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would think OTT, but I think that I've got a sneaky suspicion that it might be WXW. Well, well, they are tied with your old pals down at the ballroom um, with five progress <laughs> matches being in there and uh, wow. OTT with uh, just the, the four coming from the, uh, <laughs> okay. from the Star Walter Devlin Triangle. There, that there, progress so. time is better than OTT, it's official. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that debate's been sorted progress out. Is alive. <laughs> yeah, it's alive and well and it's, it's taken its revenge on Irish wrestling. We're still <laughs> the best. No one can beat us. <laughs> <laughs> what were those matches out of interest, Gareth? Or what, what stood out? What was like the highest the progress, progress one? So, I mean, the top progress one was actually rated as the top tag team match in the world as well. And it was the um, it was the Swords of Essex Aussie Open match. Oh, those were great. Yeah. Those, yeah. That series was... was those of, they're like, All general. of their matches are on my 95. Sort of a little bit lower down the list. But man, there was some really, really good stuff in there. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the Osprey effect, isn't it, again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I must admit that the... 
the TLC one at, um, at chapter eighty seven. That was in my top five. I mean, that was that was something that yeah. I was at. I had a great day out with Sarah on the uh, on the ale. Turned up <laughs> at the ballroom, got upstairs right above the ring, and it was just like the perfect uh, vantage point for that one. And it was probably the last great moment in the ballroom. I think for my, for myself personally, I think it was the certainly the last time the atmosphere felt like what it was for me. And it's it's a match that I definitely haven't gone back and. Like watched again on the VOD because again it's one of those that you don't want to kind of yeah, destroy do. the great memory there that uh, that came with it. But mm. from the other, so it was the other 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 tag match with the, with those guys that were in the top five, and it was the Dragonoff Devlin Dragonoff Walter matches from the Newcastle Manchester Weekender, and then the uh, David Starr Devlin from the Super Strong Style Final with the uh, with a with a five there. So you know it's coming from sort of a smaller pool of people again kind of thing working with each other in different ways like having a having having those matches but yeah i was probably probably surprised myself really to see see that one ah any rev pro rev pro um only two pro? rev pro matches on my list even there's only I? two on, a, on the grapple list as well uh, wow. what are your two joe do you know uh pat just going up on is yeah that's in my already mentions Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's at 58. Mm. And Aussie Open um, against Minoru Suzuki, Suzuki and Zach is 36. Interesting. What's the grapple ones? Uh, go to uh, it's that Pac Osprey um, from, oh. from High Stakes is <laughs> number 79, which... Um, I think I've heard before, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I think I walked away from your call there, so uh, <laughs> I, I won't be coming back unless it's for JP's hospitality again. I think it was a cracking weekend, apart from the, the disappointment of that main event for me. But um, the other right, one in John. there is Star Phantasmo, um, Epic Empire. Oh, that is on mine. Yeah. That's seventy nine on mine. Yeah. Eighty three with, uh, with the with the grapple users that one. So uh, oh, wow. yeah, a couple there making the list. But I think one of the um, one of the good things that it was for me was that there was like seventeen promotions were represented overall like across the list mm. there so you had like single matches in there from Ring of Honor Impact um, AAA uh, GCW in there a few times you know PWG Beyond and things like that so again like one of the main things I was wanting to do with Grapple was hopefully kind of highlight these these different promotions and matches and wrestlers like I'd said previously so it's kind of good to see that uh, it's providing that platform and forum for, for, for that to happen Definitely, yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think, I think grapples become a word in uh, in wrestling culture. So I'm proud of that. Mm. It's got it out there. Um, but yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's about the matches that maybe people wouldn't be thinking about. And like you said, JP, it got you watching more All Japan. It got you thinking yeah. more. I think we've all watched more wrestling this year. I've watched more wrestling this year and VOT than I've watched in any year. Obviously, the podcast's a big part of it too. But yeah, I think the uh, that that's the thing. It's the it's it's the knowing what's good and it makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And even if stuff hasn't got like particularly a lot of ratings, you kind of go, okay, I'm going to give this a go. And then sometimes it, it doesn't live up to the kind of early reviews that end up coming in. But that's kind of half the fun of it. A lot of it's discovery of of different wrestlers and combinations of wrestlers and thinking, okay, this is clearly a chemistry that works and connects with, with people as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just opens it up and it just adds to the debate. Definitely. Any other stats, Gareth, for us? Or should we get into our honourable mentions? Yeah, I think that's probably covers it off. People mm. can uh, find out some other stuff. I'll be trying Did to put you... a few different interesting stats out with the uh, with the list when I when I launch it. Have you got a worst match of the year? Oh, go on, yeah. What was the lowest rated match on Grapple? Do you know? Ah, uh, gotta be Bray Wyatt against Seth Rollins. I don't know. I mean, I was, I was I was looking at this and there was it was somewhere where I was thinking like, oh, there's got to be a bit more like work to be done here because um, you know when you get into the realms of 
people rating some like 10 second TV match on like Raw or something yeah. like that you know I think the worst match with any real number of ratings is your old uh, friend Shane McMahon against uh, Lance Hanoa on a Monday Night Raw. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, he fought uh, on behalf of in, uh, in, Roman. In, in May, that was oh, like yeah. a, a not point. Yeah, his family members. Roman Reigns. I think if I look at the... As a TV thing. I have no memory of that. The, Be glad of it. I was going to say, look at look at here, there's, there's things like, yeah, obviously that match, the Bray Wyatt matches down there, there's Kofi Kingston-Lesnar match, uh, people didn't like that, they weren't very happy about that, so that's got a 0.5 average on, <laughs> on there when the, that switch was done and things, but yeah, and da- down at the bottom end, you, you look at them very much, uh, very much your Monday Night Raws and your Smackdowns with not a lot of people rating and not a, pe- not a lot of people giving high ratings, hence... Raw and SmackDown disappearing from the homepage of the app and replaced <laughs> by things that people are watching and are rating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's got time for Raw and SmackDown every week these days, lads, when we've got matches like what we're in, our, in our top 10? How, how those people are keeping their eyes open, let alone being able to operate a mobile phone while it's on at the same time, it just developed narcolepsy. <laughs> you put me in front of an episode of Raw, it'd just be like, I'm, I'm off, and just like fall asleep. My eyes might be open, but very much dead behind them. For sure. Um, I suppose uh, very quickly then, uh, we've gone, uh, somehow got two hours, 57 minutes, lads. So uh, it's a lengthy one. (laughs) Might have to split this in two. I know, I know. See, Gareth, this is what happens. You can see it in in person now, but very briefly, probably. Six hours in two days, haven't we? we (laughs) Fucking hell. Podcast machines. Yeah, yeah, fuck you, Meltzer. This is how you do it. <laughs> he only does an hour with, with Alvarez. That's it. He's taking the fucking piss at times. <laughs> he needs to do more work, that Meltzer lad. But uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, we could probably only go into it briefly, but is there anything you guys want to mention that didn't make your list? I'll very quickly just list a couple of honorary mentions. Cody and Dustin. Uh, I honestly thought that was going to end up in my top 10. Then I rewatched it and it fell apart. I really, we've said that a million times in this podcast, I wish I'd left the memory of that post-match alone yeah. uh, and kept my memory of that match rather than the reality of that match. I, it was a mess on rewatch, if I'm honest. And yeah, the uh, the intros and the outro were probably the, uh, the strongest part of that. Yep. Uh, I really enjoyed Dustin Thomas and Tony Deppen, as I said earlier. I did have the War Games women's matches uh, as an honourable mention. Uh, Endo Takashita, uh, highly recommended by uh, by Grapple users. I did have her as an honourable mention. Okada Suzuki, as you guys mentioned. We said there weren't many women on the list. I did have, actually, considering uh, there's been another match this weekend, Sammy Callan and, and uh, Tessa Blanchard. I don't think it was ever cracking my top 10, but I did really enjoy that match as, a, as an impact match from this year. And I'd also I want to endorse uh, Karen Awar and Pack as well. You know a match we mentioned on a uh, BWE mm. as a as a favourite from this year. You know Pack and Kaze Y Kaze. How do you even pronounce his name? JP. Uh, that was a Kaze. That was a very enjoyable one. God, these uh, Japanese wrestling fans are going to be after me after this podcast. But I honestly thought, and I feel like it's sacrilege saying this. I did think the Karen Awar match was better. Sorry, um, but yeah, they're kind of my honourable mentions. Uh, any of those on your lists, or what, what's on you guys' lists uh, in general? Um, yeah, I, I echo a few of those. To be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> a few more different ones, though. Osprey Abushi came in at 11. Brian Kingston just be it. I thought that was a great match. Um, but, yeah, just got in above that one. Shingo Show from uh, Best of Super Juniors. Oh, Night yeah, one. that was great. Was match. Yeah. I absolutely loved. Um, in- 
great little feud. I hope they go back to it at some point because they were building something really special there. And in terms of a match that built from moment one and peaked at the right point, it was it was a great great match. Um, I loved Jericho Naito at Wrestle Kingdom last year. That was 16th on my list. Mm. I mean, that's kind of been forgotten about in the last year or so. It was, it was in terms of a brawl and a sort of plunderish brawl, one of the better ones I've seen in a long time. Um, Akada Ishii from the New Japan Cup has kind mm. of been forgotten about. That was 18th on my oh, list. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a great match. Um, two matches that really surprised me at the time were El Fantasmo versus Rocky Romero from the best of the Super Junior. Yep. which was better than I had any right to be. I went four and a half stars on that. Uh, Osprey versus Romero, when Romero brought it the night before and then seemed to be on an absolute mad one against Fantasmo. What a tournament Rocky Romero had. Don't forget about that. Uh, another one I was going to say as well was the Walter versus Lucky Kid uh, 16 karat gold final. Uh, might be a bit of live bias there, but that was a great culmination to yeah. so a cracking weekend. And me, JP and Andy Ogden on the balcony oh yeah smashing away at the barricade ROH 2006 on that thing isn't it? yeah getting that atmosphere <laughs> on the go even i started chanting like wow. i don't ever chant. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a massive cynic and andy managed to get me chanting that night as well what a match that was and what an atmosphere yeah so just a great year for wrestling how about you jp uh, a couple I'd like to mention. It was one that we'd highlighted in the conversation we're having between ourselves. But if you go out of your way to watch um, somebody who's always good fun, Mike Bailey and Scotty Davis from OTT, um, they had a great match in, in in Belfast. I think it was at one of the contenders shows. Um, just cracking. And it made you kind of remember about how good Mike Bailey is and, and what an important role he has in terms of having these good matches with young guys that, that helps them sort of bring them on a bit. A match I haven't actually got on my list at all, but I remember loving it at the time, Tony Deppen and Alex Zane yeah. from the Backyard, backyard Show, show yeah. with GCW. He's, he's wrestling Just, Tanahashi like this year, JP. He's, Alex Zane's yeah. gone from doing moonsaults up, or shooting stars off a roof into a chip, steel chair. So being in a match with it, it's uh, Ricky Morton and Tanahashi against him and TJP. Fucking hell, what are you? That's booking on opium, clearly. <laughs> it's fucking all over the place. That, but it's, but I have to say, like you know, really good. Uh, Tony Deppen as well, like you said about the the match he had, you know, the Dustin Thomas one. Which, if nothing else, I remember just watching that with my kids, mm. who were just bloody incredulous at what they were seeing. So um, that was that was a match that I also really liked as well. Um, trying to think of the the other stuff that i've perhaps go up on there um that i would say watch uh i'm gonna say this one slightly controversial jay white okada from the dome as well (laughs) 14 minutes we can't go four hours yeah in terms of like a time length of actually thinking that might be the way you crack the kind of uh jay white riddle perhaps um and speaking of riddle Riddle's not on the list at all, oh, yeah. which I found quite disheartening. I have it wasn't to say, on your list wasn't on my list as well, which is wow. you know what isn't you there? Right, your top I, ten Matt Riddle interactions instead. I don't know <laughs> some awesome ones on that. The one that mentions the um, the Winter Olympics that we were talking about at Carrot. All right, yeah, you'll you'll get it when we're off air on that. Also, two Shame at Man matches at four stars. Speaking about being one of the worst so matches. What were of the those? Year, I think one was the Miz 
the Maziad <laughs> with the Miz. A mania. A mania. Was, was one the Usos tag. Was the Usos that was amazing. tag. That, um, the one we watched at Carrot. That, that's, that's on a four because I gave it five stars in the grapple app at the time. Because I was fucking <laughs> yeah. What a match that was. Sorry, Gareth. I what fucked up. And I think it was, it was when we first really saw, was it Miz's dad? That was. Oh, like, he'd been around for for oh, ages. Yeah, he's been in for a while. No, but within the story, like, oh no, well, that was the thing. on Mania when he came out and did the fist. Thing yeah, as well. yeah, but he was in the front row, looking emotionless. See, there's been loads of good matches, but you know, go go in with a fresh mind. I've had these two drilling on me, basically, kind of convert me around to Shane McMahon, who is the best bad wrestler in the world. But so, if you want to see sort of Shane McMahon at his peak, that match with the Miss. Can I make one more honourable mention? And they're not on the um, app, unfortunately, because Gareth's, oh. Gareth's being bloody lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to go for um, Stephen Flutter versus Shake Sham. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I said, I'll go. PCW on the app. Very close to my heart, PCW. So maybe, maybe twenty. 20- 2020. You don't need to be on that, mate. to slip you a few fibers, you know, could sort it out. <laughs> Get in touch. Oh, mate. In some ways, I wish we'd been reviewing Overtake from Preston rather oh. than, than Take Over from Blackpool. That'd yes. be a podcast. That, that would have been a podcast and a half. What a brilliant <laughs> name for a show. Wonderful. Uh, anything more from you, Gareth? Any, uh, any honorable mentions for you or any other notable ones? Yeah, I mean, I, about? I think just, you know. What it looks it would do alongside like the the list is is do like a sleeper list where there's matches which have maybe been rated by fewer people but have got like high ratings. So there's the the endo uh, Tekashita match from uh, DDT mm. that you mentioned Benno uh, mm. before that just missed the cut but you know got a very high average there. The Okabayashi Nomura match from Big Japan, um, Hashiki Nakano from Stardom, and um, also. Uh, Jack Bonds and Mick Moretti from PWA earlier on mm. in the year as well. That's something that's kind of been there on our sleepers list for uh, for a lot of the year, but people don't seem to be biting on that one and going and giving it a watch. But uh, there's a few uh, few different uh, promotions there. Some that have been added more recently, some less so. But again, just really, um, if you want if you want to try something different, you know, you can still have a look there. And okay, it might have only been rated by 20, 25 people or something like that, but it just gives you a flavour of of something new. Awesome. Well, I think that pretty much uh, brings us to the end, lads. It only took us three hours and six minutes, but I think we've uh, we put 2019... Uh, we've done it justice, I think. Uh, well, we're probably just going to... We'll have to go back next week to catching up with regular weekly TV wrestling and keeping up with the news and all that stuff. Uh, I'm yeah. enjoying this. This has been good. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you uh, want to hear my top ten of a decade, tune into the Patreon content. There you go. There you go. We got him on board. We got him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the way he play. He plays that on there. Um, yeah. yeah for, 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 your top, of... for your top tier, I'd recommend just uh, recreating this experience. I've had the pleasure of sitting here in the chair, having this live experience. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, exactly. uh, maybe, maybe the highest uh, highest Patreon tier could uh, get the privilege of uh, trying to escape from Walton after me. Night on a, you also get on, on a Monday experience with my OnlyFans page, Gareth. I won't go into too much detail about that, but you, it's the same experience on my OnlyFans page as well. Amazing. Right, well, yeah, I think that uh, pretty much soundly brings us to the, the end of the show. I'll uh, I'll probably put our top tens in the, the show notes somewhere. We'll publish it elsewhere. But, you know, we usually do our plugs at this point, but I think we should probably hand the plugs over to Gareth because, yeah, the... Uh, Full Grapple 100s are going to be coming uh, not long after this is posted, but what can uh, people look forward to, Gareth? Yeah, fingers crossed. If um, all going well, it, it, it should be out tomorrow. Um, 
So I'll be looking to uh, release that just on a, a new website that we're going to be releasing for for, for Grapple. Ooh. So look out for that. Um, mm. Obviously, you know, I'll probably promoting it more on Twitter and things with the links and things like that. So follow at Grapple App on on Twitter to to uh, find out about that. But obviously, you know, we're we're up to you know. Uh, it's sort of 28 promotions that's on the app now, you know, all sorts of different things that have been added. So, you I'll know, get on there, time. download it. <laughs> I don't have a life anymore. You know, These so. kids have I become just, very good at typing. Yeah, in terms yeah, of getting yeah, our yeah. match information. <laughs> I tell you what, Google Translate is my new best friend for some of these where uh, DDT and uh, Big Japan and all that's been added, just making sure that I'm getting the right people and the right dates and things like that. But, um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, a lot of work going on to at the back end so yeah give it a download put your ratings in because uh, it's it's uh, great obviously to see with the uh, hard work that goes on at my end to see all those ratings come through and it allows you to do shows like you've enjoyed today ah, good lads and we hugely appreciate it Gareth thanks for uh, having yep. us on board yep. in 2019 Cheers, congratulations mate well done yeah you've done very well great hopefully we'll be uh, talking in doing this podcast again this time next year and uh Grapple will be on the going even further in the world of wrestling. And hopefully we'll be having a, a few beers and some food at JP's or yours or mine <laughs> or something oh, yeah. like that sometime in the future as well. So, uh, Mate, if we're yours, we're getting Omar around as well. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he's been sighted this Christmas in Crosby, JP. You might be Oh, able. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like Gareth said, download the Grapple app. Uh, follow Grapple on Twitter, at Grapple app. Follow Gareth, at Grapple Gareth uh, on Twitter as well. I don't. <laughs> uh, follow me, at Benson. Richard E, follow JP at JP Jippy. And yeah, as we mentioned a few times through the show, uh, me, Joe, and JP were on post this week doing the uh, NXT UK takeover review that seems to have been very well received. So if you haven't listened to that on that feed, do check that out um, as we pretty much, mainly Joe, eviscerate that pay per view um, to what seems to be some uh, audience aplomb. So yeah, do check that out. Uh, but yeah. We'll be back I, next I'm week. on there on Thunderstruck on Sunday as well. <laughs> Get that oh, in, JP. Finally, yeah. We've been waiting for this, Jimmy. You have, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. For this one. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, I'll tell you what it is. It's Jushin Liger and uh, Yoshinabu uh, Kanemaru from uh, Noah Departure. Sort of big, the first big Noah Tokyo Dome show. Looking forward to that one. So yeah, everyone did check that out. And yeah, we'll be back next week catching up on pretty much the, the start of 2020, all the news and all the shows. We'll see you next week. Bye. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.